Well, all right, everybody. Welcome to episode number 36 of Sports Cards Live. You know, as usual, we're going to start off. I'm going to do a few thank yous out there. So today is Wednesday, episode number 36. A week ago last Wednesday, I want to thank Jeremy Murray, Vice President at Beckett Grading Services, for joining me. We had a great show. He answered all the questions that, uh, that came his way, answered some challenging ones. That video does live on the YouTube channel still. So be sure to check that out. Uh, I warn you, it's long, just like all my videos. They're quite long, so bite them off in chunks when you do watch them. Also want to thank from this past Saturday, none other than Brian Gray from Leaf Trading Cards joined me. We went close to three hours. Uh, the guy can talk. He's got a lot to say. He's very entertaining. So check that one out. Again, bite it off in chunks. It could take you a while to get through the whole thing. I'm going to let you guys know that Coming up on Saturday, my guest is going to be another from another person from Leaf Trading Cards, Greg Cohn, who's the product development manager there. Uh, he'll be on. We'll talk about what goes into making their hockey sets and all of their other sports sets and non-sport and everything. That should be pretty interesting. And then next Wednesday, I'm going to have on, which is uh, August the 19th. Joining me is going to be Ken Golden of Golden Auctions. And what's going to be really cool is that three days later, his big auction is going to be ending on the Saturday, the 22nd, with the Mike Trout Superfractor that is currently at close to $1.8 million in bids. So we're going to be talking about that card and many more that are going to be up for auction uh, coming soon after he joins me. I want to welcome any new viewers to Sports Cards Live. If you're joining tonight, thanks for joining. This is episode number 36. This show was born out of COVID, started doing it in April. So Lots of videos in the archive in the YouTube library. Please check them out. If you are so inclined, you can pick the ones you like and give them a watch. Again, they are long, so bite them off in chunks. Getting close to 1,000 subscribers on YouTube in the 900s now. So thanks to everybody who has subscribed. And if you have not yet subscribed and you are willing to consider doing so, I would greatly appreciate that. And as always, guys, keep in mind tonight with our guest, Steve, Questions and comments from you will be in play. So feel free to ask them in the comments and, uh, you know, we will most likely address them. So without any further ado, let's bring out my guest this evening. His name is Steve. And as I've been saying, he owns the, what is, what is one of the crown jewels of the sports card world right now. So let's bring him out. Steve, welcome to episode number 36 of Sports Cards Live. It's a pleasure to have you. How are you doing tonight, man? Hey, really good. Thanks for having me on the show, Jeremy. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I've appreciated, uh, you know, I think our relationship for a long while now. Uh, you know, it's going on uh, almost two decades and uh, really love what you're doing with the show. Um, it's, you know, really high quality content, which I didn't really even know existed for sports cards and the hobby. So, uh, you know, uh, thank you for having me as a guest and uh, happy to be here. Hey man, it's my pleasure. Thank you for for coming on. Thank you for uh, for you know volunteering to come on and for letting me know about this major uh, acquisition that you made uh, just uh, just about six weeks ago. I think it's really cool. Like you mentioned, we've known each other close to twenty. I'd say around fifteen years now. We've known each other, um, and I want I want you to tell the story about. Uh, we'll get into your history and the hobby a little bit, but let's kick it off with something fun, and then we'll welcome the viewers that are with us so far. But sure. can you uh, tell the story? And guys, for those of you watching, you got to imagine the year is two thousand, and it's probably spring two thousand seven at the Toronto the Toronto Sports Card Expo. And, um, and, you know, I knew Steve from various message boards, Hobby Insider, the Beckett boards and that. 
And uh, so we, it was one of the first times where we met in person. I probably was probably there, maybe a Vancouver show earlier, but it was one of the first times we'd met in person. So we were hanging out throughout the weekend. And then uh, you were going to, you acquired a case of the cup, 0506 the cup, and you broke it at the upper deck booth. Tell that story of like, where did you get the case? What was it like breaking it? And what come, what came out of that case? Sure. No, that's a, you know, some of my best hobby memories right then there. Um, you know, was that really that 07 Expo? Never expected to actually take a trip to Toronto specifically for a sport card show. That was never on the things that I thought I would do in life. Um, really cool to have done it. I think for me, and we'll get to this later, but 0506 Cup has been just what I realized I keep in my PC. I think everything else comes and goes, doesn't really matter out of 99 great auto rookie patches and all that, but 0506 Cup, and it was a really special one for me. Um, getting that case was actually really interesting because as, as you certainly know, any of the cases and any of the product there is sold pretty, you know, at pretty decently high prices. But uh, I think the night before, I think we broke two cases of SP Authentic that just came out with the Malkin year that way. Um, and then, you know, I was looking for something else to break that way. And uh, I said, okay, look, uh, forgot what I paid for that case, but I definitely stepped up, you know, a decent amo amount more. I think he knew that he had the only one of two cases that was at that expo. Um, so he knew his, he, I think his name was Mike. I think he knew his stuff very well. And he said, look, I've been lugging this case around with me that way. Maybe you want to take it off my hands. Struck a deal for it and didn't actually know I was going to go break it then and there. But, uh, you know, had a lot of great hobby guys. I've, again, first time I've met so many people in person from the message boards. It was the first time that I said, okay, well, you know, what are you going to do with the case? And I'm like, I'm not sure. Well, why don't you just break it here? I'm like, okay, that sounds like fun. Um, so this was totally ad hoc. It was completely impulsive. You know, I think I met, uh, I met Carbon and his team uh, very early on in the expo. So we decided to go, you know, stop by the upper deck booth that way and just said, do you mind if we just break a cup, uh, a, you know, 610 case of 0506 cup here? And they were like, oh no, that's, that's cool. And as we started, and I remember this very well, and as we just started, again, not an announced event, it wasn't, you know, at a certain time this was going to happen. You had more and more people just showing up and going, what, what is, what's going on here? And, you know, then it was 0506 cup. And I don't know how big that crowd got, but I'm it was easily 30 plus, like just really tightly packed. Um, you know, out of that, uh, you know, and out of that came my actually only poll out of the 30 plus 610 cases that I've done of 0506 cup. And God knows a lot of, I'm, I'm sure probably another 20 tins that are just loose tins before I got smarter. Um, you know, it was, a, it was my first Crosby out of 99 rookie patch auto that I, that I pulled. And it was a, a barely two color, but uh, one of those things that I, I knew uh, was some people might not know on the 0506 cup, but out of the 99s that were there, there was John Phaneuf, uh, obviously Alexander Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby. Those three cards out of 99 are actually lighter in background versus the out of 199 regular rookies that way. So if you had a Lundqvist, a Vanek, um, a Parisi, etc., they were actually darker that way. So when I saw that light bit and I knew it was the, the design of a rookie card, I knew I hit one of the 99s. And then when you started seeing a little bit of the penguin colors, that, that, you know, that yellowish, the darker yellowish that way, and then, you know, a, a bunch of black, you know, I was pretty sure I knew what it was. And uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of funny. I was on Hobby Insider, saw really quickly. I don't know if uh, Kurt is watching. Uh, he goes by Gabby guy. Um, 
he was literally there right beside me. And I think I got pretty lightheaded. Just, it was kind of really surreal to me. It was like just something like out of a movie or a dream. And uh, I think I was about to just even fall backwards or something, holding the card and just, you know, literally just, you know, flipping that next one really slowly that way. And, uh, you know, and I think it, I'm glad Hobbyists is around because I think it was him and it was also uh, Frank and maybe a couple of others that said, Stephen, before you do anything else, let's protect this card first and then you can go figure out the rest of it. And it was, you know, and I, and I enjoyed that a lot because I think for me, the hobby, I like to go pay it forward. I remember, you know, I think out of that break for me, you know, uh, as I've told you, besides this Crosby card that, you know, my most recent acquisition, everything else for me in this hobby has been just, an expense as in it's just leisure to me that way it's just entertainment and where what makes me really happy is that i'm able to go you know give you know some printing plate one of ones to people that were looking for them and whatever else i'm not there to go wholesale everything else for some dollars but you know you know i've had a lot of people kind of pay for it to me and i'm happy just to kind of give back whenever i can so it was really cool just to go you know i remember pulling things like a one of one like cory perry printing plate and everything else you know at that point a pretty desirable card and i was kind of like I ran to Corey Perry Collector that way, and I was like, wow, you know what? I'd like to give this to you. And yeah. people's face like that is just something yeah. you can't really pay for. So it was really cool. I, I really enjoyed that whole experience. So Yeah, that, that that's awesome, man. I mean, I I was there. I was one of those people crowded around watching you crack the case. So for people watching, if you don't know, he said a lot of things that if you don't know what he was referring to, you might not know what he meant. So I'm going to clarify a few things. First of all, he talked about a 610 case of the cup. So basically talking about an unopened box of cards that had six individual packs inside. Each pack was probably retailing at the time for close to $500. So you probably paid $3,000 for that case of cards. Way hoping, upwards of that. <laughs> and at that time, it could have been more, could have been double that, whatever it was. Those those are not cheap uh, packs of cards. But you op you you bought the, the unopened pack, the unopened case at the expo in Toronto. And then you were hoping to hit one of the 99. So what, what Stephen means by that is that certain of the rookie cards are limited to 99 copies. That year, there were three players, Crosby, Ovechkin, and Dion Phaneuf, who, believe it or not, was hot back then in the hobby and a decent defenseman as well. So you were looking to get one of those three rookie cards out of 99. And the odds of getting any one of those three rookie cards out of 99 are very slim. And then the odds of getting the most desirable one at the time, which was Sidney Crosby, was one in three. So not only did you have to hit one of the 99s, which is very difficult, then you had to hit the Sidney Crosby. And it was just so funny because you were opening this case at the expo in front of dozens of collectors at the upper deck booth, which was great because now, you know, there's no question about anything. The card came out of the pack. You own it. And as you said, you pulled other cards there and you were so, I remember how happy you were. We were also happy for you. And I remember you had all the other cards and you were willing to just give away gifts to people at the time. If there was something that they needed, that was very generous. And that was, it was awesome. That, that was an awesome, awesome experience. So really cool story. I think that's a good one to kick off with. Um, we, uh, so we met first probably at, at maybe that might've been the first time we met in person. And um, I was, was that the first time I was set up at a show or was it the first time I was set up at, at the expo? I don't remember. Yeah. I know what? it was the first time that uh, our mutual friend Aaron that way, um, he set up a specific booth that way. And I know you and him were either had a deal of showing some cards together or something, but you were on the other side at times or manning his booth or, or there was something there, but it was one of the first few times that uh, 
I think that, you know, he was used to showing up, you know, at card shows and you could tell he was kind of a veteran that way, but it was a, dare I even say on your, on your own show that way, that uh, at even one point, Jeremy Lee, you know, started getting into the, maybe the other side onto, you know, the being a dealer, if, if you will, that way. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've told you, I still remember very well, like when Aaron had to leave somewhere else and said, Jeremy, please watch my booth for me and all that. And he had all these great, like, you know, he had a three color uh, Crosby out of 99 as well. And, and I remember that. And along with other very big cards that way. And, you know, I remember Jeremy just kind of looking down and just saying, this is just really cool to be on this side. And again, you know, it was, it was just a cool moment for me because I really remember that when, uh, you know, when we were hanging around a lot. So that was really Kind of when the light bulb went off for me that maybe I should stop just attending card shows and start setting up at them as a dealer and uh, maybe, you know, get the advantages of being a dealer at a card show. So yeah, you were there for that aha moment of mine and uh, and I haven't looked back ever since. So before we get into more stuff, let's just see who's joining us. Uh, Matt, welcome to the show, Go Flyers. You know, my in our house, my wife's a Habs fan, so we're kind of hoping for them. I don't even know what the score is in that game right now, but if anybody wants to post it up, I'd be curious to know. Uh, Ziggy in the house, as always, Ziggy, good evening. Ernie, welcome to the show. Jason, I turned off the Habs game to watch tonight because this show is infinitely better than both the Habs and the Flyers. Thank you, Jason. That's very complimentary. I'm glad you like the show. Mike, welcome to the show. Howdy to you. Steve Elmore, hello, hello. And hello to me. Les, 36. What is 36? I don't know what he's getting at with 36, but hi, Les. Welcome to the show. Dave, welcome to the show. D Cabral, first one, looking forward to it. Welcome to the show, Sports Cards Live. D, glad to have you. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do. I'd greatly appreciate it. Al, good evening, as always. Legion, welcome back, as always. Scott, how are you doing this evening? Mike says, Steve, love how knowledgeable you are on this set. Appreciate the expertise. Yes, he is so knowledgeable on the 0506 Cup set. And it's important to, to, to point out, everybody, that the, the Upper Deck puts out several brands every year and at the end of the sports card season they put out their number one brand it is called the cup and it is you know 0506 was the first year they put it out because that was the year that Sidney Crosby and Alexander Ovechkin were rookies they they were drafted in different years but we had the lockout in 0405 so they had their first rookie cards coming in coming in 0506 and Steve here is an expert in that set. He's pointed out details to me that I didn't even know were, were details in the set. So really cool. He is, an, he is an expert. Thanks for recognizing that, Mike. Simon says Steve seems very... Why wouldn't you be enthusiastic when you just bought when you just bought a single hockey card for $125,000? You're going to be enthusiastic about the hobby. If you're not, there's something wrong. Paul, welcome to the show. Looking forward to having you. Aaron, welcome to the show. Jason Wormy, this is a... Jay Wormy, I call him Worm Dog. This guy, this is uh, one of my close friends from my uh, university, and they're and they're from Jay. Thanks for joining. Great to see you. Two one Philly. Thanks for letting me know. I got to cheer for the Habs, though, everybody. I got to hear cheer for the Habs for my wife and her family. Sean, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Does Steve collect anything other than the cup? Steve, do you want to quickly uh, address that question? Yeah, I can take that. Um... I've tried, I'll say nicely. Um, you'll see later on in the show that, that way, um, some of my real focus that way. I think for me, I've kept ultimate cards as well. I think SPA that I know is more popular in the hobby generally that way. I've leaned toward ultimate because of just scarcity. I think when you have 
out of 99 rookies to, you know, before that was 299 for 05-06 that way. Uh, McDavid 15-16 was an out of 99. That gets more interesting to me that way, um, you know, versus SPA. So, you know, some ultimate here and there. I think, you know, ultimate, you know, uh, ultimate, you know, I think they have ultimate rookie patches that way or maybe, you know, well, yeah, they do. They're out of like 25, but they're not cons- the ultimate rookie cards are just autographed, right? So they have a few parallels to that. Yeah, but I was thinking like something like this, like I'll do stuff that looks like it. Yeah, that to me is a that to me, I consider that a rookie card, even though you know purists might not. And I used to be a purist, now I'm a little bit more lenient on my definition of rookie card as it applies for myself and my as I approach the hobby, but in any event, um. Yeah. Right. So, so, so definitely yes. Yeah, you do collect a little bit other than just the cup and other than just 0506. And you'll talk a little bit later. We got some other cards that he's gonna uh tell us about that he owns. Uh D, I have and I will be watching. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, Les, that's 36 episodes. Yeah, man. How how did I forget that? Yeah, man. Les, I can't believe it either at 36 episodes. I remember when I got to 10, I was like, holy crap, we're at 10 episodes already. Coming up to 40, I've hopefully got some something big brewing for episode number 50, which will land on September 30th, but we will see. Carlos, nice intro. Thank you. And to Carlos, thank you for helping me with the technical behind the intro. I appreciate that. Al tells me 2-1 flyers with 13 minutes left in the third period. Okay, good to know. Hat tricks and home runs. That's my buddy Amit. Amit, welcome to the show. Thank you for tuning in, even if just for a bit. And D says, hard to find ultimate rookie multicolored nice OV. Yeah, and that was one you just showed right there. Sean says, Steve for game worn versus event worn in the cup. Which rookies are game worn? Okay, so this is let, before you answer this, Steve, because this is a great question and it it's an important question to you. So let's let's get into this topic right now. So I'll just start by saying, guys, that you know, when we see patches and swatches of jerseys that are embedded within cards oftentimes those cards those those patches those swatches of 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 the jersey they may or may not have been used in an nhl game if they were that's great it's a piece of game worn jersey a game worn patch which would be the logo or the number of the letters on the back but oftentimes the card companies what they do in the interest of, of of money and time is they get the players to actually put on jerseys wear them for a while take them off and then they cut them up and put them into cards. So it's important for some collectors to really understand, is this a game-worn piece or is it what we refer to as a photo shoot piece? And it's not consistent. Uh, really, it has, I shouldn't say that. I say it hasn't always been one way. They've, they've started with game-worn. They've gone more towards photo shoot now. But why don't you, uh, Steve, talk about what is photo shoot and what is game-worn in terms of rookie cards from the cup and specifically those that are numbered to 99. But before you do say that, before you answer that, I'm just going to bring it because we have watching right now and a comment just popped up from none other than Billy Celio, who is a product manager for Upper Deck. And let's see what he wants to say. It might be about this. So Billy says, is there something in the cup that you want to see or that you have a favorite insert? I might know a guy. Okay, we'll come back to that. <laughs> let's start with with, uh, with Sean's question, Steve. Sure. Yeah. For game worn and which ones aren't? So out of the 99s that way, I'm going to go forget about FNUF because I honestly, I pulled two of those on Ricky Patches. They didn't make me happy. Don't remember, but I will probably say I think that one was actually Photoshoot. The three, uh, out of those three, um, Crosby and Ovechkin were game-used rookie year. Um, there's actually one other out of 199 that is Miku Koibu, for some reason, is the only other one that's game-worn that way. 
Um, nothing else, you know, I'll maybe have something. Save that for later, but um, but I, those are the only rookie cards from Cup Auto rookie patches that have been game worn. Um, that one specifically, I had a during that expo, that uh, you know, 07 Spring Expo, having a sit down chat with Carbon, I told him uh, how awesome it was that way. You know, I really loved. You know, that was a big part for me. Like, you know, as as cheesy as it is, but when you take a look at the upper deck stuff and getting something along the lines of getting you as close to the game as possible that way. Um, that's really what I felt when you actually had a piece of hockey history on a game used memorabilia from some from a, from your player's rookie year. That was huge value to me. Um, when I broke, I probably broke about 10, 12 cases of 06, 07. And my first case, I ended up landing the Malkin that way. And when I turned the back and I saw a photo shoot, I remember I got pretty disappointed there. And uh, I was kind of like, oh, you know, why did you go away from that? And again, I think Carbon's answer was pretty straightforward. He said, look, well, you know, there's only that many dolls that we can put in the product. These auto rookie patches for the cup are the best player's rookie card, period. Why do we need to go spend the extra money and buy game used jerseys versus using Photoshoot? We'd rather, you know, increase the value in the hobby uh, for, the, for the specific product in different ways, which made a lot of sense because, I mean, you take a look at... You know, you take a look at McDavid's 15-16 cup. They're all photo shoot that way. The only card that McDavid has that is game used rookie year is his limited logos. Um, you know, but that's where it's interesting because those auto rookie patches, you know, even though I'm not a believer in it and I see a lot of value in it, it seems like the rest of the hobby doesn't really, right? So, you know, that is what it is. Okay. And since then, I believe that um, Upper Deck, for the most part with the cup, the rookie patch auto the rookie patch autographed cards are, for the most part, all uh, photo shoots still. And I'm not sure if I, I had thought that maybe one of the more recent ones was game worn, but I may be wrong. Billy, if you're still watching and you know of any recently that had been game worn and you could let us know, that'd be great. But if they're if they're not, they're not. And, you know, I mean, I understand what what Upper Deck has to do in order mm -hmm. to make the the business model work and in order to to have the product come out with the margins they need to target and at the cost they need to incur it makes sense and you know the sometimes it's early in a player's uh, career by the time these cards come out so to the, i think the logistics and turning and turning around um game worn jerseys is a, is a challenge for them too but hey we're not here to talk about why or what. It's more or less really your uh, your approach to all this and, and what you like and what what you don't. So let's get to Billy's question for you though. Yeah. And it's a, it's a it's a great question. I'm glad he's asking it because it just shows yeah. that you know Upper Deck is willing to listen to collectors, especially collectors that are buying their product and say, hey, what is there anything that you that you saw in the past in a prior year of the cup that maybe they don't do anymore that you'd like to see again. Um, if, does anything come to mind instantly for you, Steve? It's kind of funny. Well, I think uh, even Sean's question that way, for me, that's obviously, you know, I understand upper deck's justification that way, and I'm sure I'm probably in the minority, but if you ended up having to go, I'm going to make up a number, but if you increase the price of the cup by 20% and you said, well, your biggest rookies that year are going to be game used that way, I would pay. So, like, that's so just me, but... Yeah. But but to Billy's question, is there a sort of aside from changing the swatch itself? Is there a certain insert set that you had collected back in the day? Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you yeah. know what? Well, let's pose the question to everybody else watching. And if you're if you're watching, and there's something that you'd like to see come back in the cup, 
put in the comments and we'll bring it on. And, uh, you know, hopefully Billy is still watching and can consider that because Billy is the product manager at Upper Deck who builds out this product every year. So yeah. we have the right ears and eyes on this show right now to maybe have some influence on yeah. what is the number one product in, in hockey cards. So, okay, let's keep going. Um, Brian, welcome to the show, Brian Kingsley. As always, Steve says, I'm not up on hockey, have low-end hockey cards from the collection I bought years ago. Fair enough. You're not alone in that uh, position, being in that position, Steve. Sean says, I'm with you on the game use over the photo shoot. Thanks for that. And Jeremy, keep on rocking broski. Thank you, Sean. And Sean was actually my guest for, I believe, episode number three of Sports Cards Live. So that's a real old one. If anyone wants to go back that far and watch it, I invite you to. And um, hopefully it's not too uh, embarrassing for me to watch uh, that early on in, in the life of Sports Cards Live. D says, is there any way to know which RPAs have not been pulled? I'm guessing not. And D, it, there's, there's no way to know because we don't know what's being opened right now. And not every card that gets opened is shown anywhere on the internet. Many are because a lot of collectors post their cards on Facebook, Instagram, message boards, eBay, you know, for sale. So, but it's impossible to know what hasn't been uh, pulled so far. Uh, Dave would like to see Titleists again, uh, Billy. Titleist was a really popular insert set. Dave, uh, Dave, Dave would like to see that one come up. Billy, Billy says that Eichel might have been game used, if I remember correctly, but don't quote me. So there you go. Eichel might have been a game used jersey as well. Okay, great stuff. So let's talk a bit about um, a bit about your history, Steve. Like, how did you get into hockey cards in the in the first place? Uh, great question. I'll, I won't. I'll try not to keep this one too long, but it's a. It's actually really core to how I am as a Canadian. You know, I came over from Hong Kong. Uh, parents moved over here in 1985 that way. So you know, I've been here for sure most of my life. I call Canada certainly my home that way. It's where I grew up in high school. Um, it's where I went to elementary school. And the first thing that I did, I remember getting over to uh, you know elementary school was. You know, it was kicking hockey with a puck. It was taking sticks and batting this, you know, orange puck around that way. Goalies with funny equipment that way. And everyone wanted to talk about it. And that's all kids did. So, you know, you had no choice but to kind of, you know, and it was exciting. It was fun. And I started getting into hockey in that way. And then the cards came later. I didn't know that there was such a thing. And uh, I think it was uh, that, is it 88, 89 Opeachy with the, hip push tack that was you know yeah. different colored borders and all that that was the first year at that point you know i'm kind of you know like eight years old at that point probably in grade three and people at school were putting them against windows right you would flick these cards against windows and you know the ones that got left over at the breaks were you know either water damaged it didn't fly anymore it was so bent um you know they i kind of went out, stood around after break and collected those cards that were someone else's junk like uh those were my treasures that way and i brought them home and you know i think i had a you know more traditional uh chinese parents that way where they just said i don't care if you get 100 percent in all your classes we're never buying you a pack of hockey cards because it's a waste of money and i said <laughs> okay well i knew that was never going to happen so you know kind of fast forward to unfortunate this might have happened in other schools i'm not sure but the theft was you know with the value of some of the cards like brett hall rookie cards and everything else there was a lot of theft in the school, so they started banning hockey cards that way. I think probably, you know, like Pavel Burry of first upper deck year to like Solani second year that way was probably when, you know, cards were just done for me. Like I didn't have anything more to do with them, but not that I ever had any, but it was always fun to look at friends' stuff and it was really cool. 
Um, so, you know, I kind of stopped with the hobby, you know, one with life, one on, a, you know, hard, hard, hard working over with my academics and career and all that. And then some strange reason out of nowhere, you know, my cousin that was uh, always very into hockey cards that way. He said, uh, here's a box of 0506 UD ice. And, you know, we opened this stuff together and I was, um, you know, going from Opeachy years that way and, you know, looking at the, the quality of those cards and what was there. I knew nothing about patches. I knew nothing about autographs that way. I knew nothing about acetate. I didn't know things were serial numbered. Um, you know, all I knew was, yeah, like I didn't know that cards were even more thick than like a 35 point, you know, one touch that way. I didn't know that was a thing. So I remember pulling, uh, you know, like UDI's had a lot of those. They're out of like so many, like, I don't know, a thousand, like almost 2000 or a thousand, but the common like rookies that were acetate. And I remember looking at them, I was like, these are just really strange and really cool. And, you know, it had a very different feel to it. But then when we actually hit something that, uh, the, the one that really, <laughs> and it's a funnier that I remember this card, but it was a Maxine Talbot out of 35, just a patch and it was just all black. But it was thick, you know, it was acetate on the surface and yeah. on both surfaces, front and back, and sandwich. But this thing felt like there was heft to this thing, right? Like, you know, maybe even getting back to Billy's question, I will say the first dual honorable numbers that were about 180 point thick that could not even fit in some holders, I loved those cards out of 10. I went after that set, uh, you know, and I, I love that set. Anyways, but the... Uh, Going back to like, that's what kind of fueled my interest and curiosity was honestly just a, a harmless box of UD ice out of, you know, and I didn't know who was in there. I didn't know what to expect, but it was really cool to, you know, have that. Right. And I think that's where I, I got my curiosity and I kind of went online that way. And I said, oh, well, you know, maybe Crosby and Ovech can have some cards right now. And then I find out it's their rookie year and I'm like, oh, this is exciting. And then I knew nothing of the cup. I remember probably the first card when I joined Hobby Insider that way, and I knew nothing about the hobby. And this was just, again, probably me being me, just saying, I don't know. I, I liked Milan Hayden. Like he was, you know, I was a fan of his that way. I just decided to go pay $500 for a one of one NHL Shield Milan Hayden out of 0506 Ultimate. I don't know why I did that. I just said, this is really cool. A one of one? Like, what is that? I, again, this is, it's new to me. It, one of ones were around in the hobby far, far before, but it was such a neat looking card. I'd be like, I saw it on eBay and I was like, I'm just going to hit the buy it now. And I just want to see what this thing looks like. Yeah. And, you know, and I still remember those things. And it was, you know, it started captivating the imagination of what cards could be. And then, of course, now 0506 comes out that way. And I, you know, and I'm like, wow, this like this is really, really pricey stuff. And. Well, what's in it? (laughs) You know, you you start buying a couple of loose tins. And back then, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm pretty sure at opening, no one even thought about pack searching those things. No one knew how the foam, you know, you know, you would hit a foam in every six that way. Um, Sometimes you hit two foams and, you know, foams, uh, sorry, uh, you can explain that. But people are like, what are you you pulling out foam from a pack of hockey cards? Let me quickly explain that to anyone who who hasn't opened up a pack of either exquisite basketball or the cup hockey. But I mean, this stuff is was so expensive in its day. I mean, now it's kind of par for the course. But back in the 2005, six, even, you know, three, oh, four with basketball, these you, you get six cards in one pack and those cards were were packaged in a box. And that box was was then covered in cellophane. And that box was then 
set into a velvet inlay that was placed within a tin and that tin had a lid and that tin was then placed into another cardboard box that you had to open. It was quite, the unpacking experience was, was quite the, the process back then. It still is for this product. And if you had a, if you were going to hit a card that was a, a like a, a, like a golden ticket kind of card, like a Sidney Crosby rookie, Upper Deck put a piece of foam in there as added protection, I believe, uh, for that pack. So you knew if you got foam, you were you hit the jackpot. And I remember watching people opening up these packs of cards back, you know, in the second half of that, the first decade of the 2000s, from the 05 to 2010. I remember watching people open these over the years, and you'd hear people going, foam. Foam, foam, foam. And if you didn't know what it was, you'd think these people were from, you know, from somewhere else anyway. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's pretty funny. But uh, so that brought that brings you right really up in front from your whole hobby origin story from being really a five year old um, immigrant from Hong Kong with your family. Right. Coming to the country uh, really without any knowledge of hockey to embracing the culture, embracing the sport, embracing the hobby. As part of your as part of your efforts to really fit in to a degree, right? I mean, there's the there's a big social aspect to the hobby that that is often overlooked, and I find it really interesting, especially you know when they when the stories when our stories are somewhat more interesting than just your your typical Canadian kid who grew up buying hockey cards. I mean, that can be interesting too, but it's even more. And I think your story is even more interesting. So I'm, I'm glad you told it, and that brings us all the way up until really 2005 six when you. You jumped right in, right? Is that about is that about accurate? Yeah, I, I started. You know, I think after those those tins that way, and then hitting, I hit no foam in any of those tins. That's that was actually a really strange probability if I think about it. You know, probably about you know I'll say, yeah, probably about twenty tins that way, and just nothing, like no foam that way. So maybe it was happening earlier, but too small of a sample size to say. But uh, when I bought my first. You know, I think I paid about, you know, it's about 3000 bucks, I think, like, you know, was the first six, 10, you know, stuff that I, that I ended up opening up. But even before that, I think for me, it was, it was, I remember buying an, an honorable, uh, a noble numbers 0506 of, you know, they, these were all out of 10 cards. There was no autograph. There was two players, one on each side. Um, it had, you know, their numbers kind of on the cutout that way. And then a patch on both and. Most of them were not really good patches, and, and that was 0506 in general, was just, you know, very plain, vanilla, pretty boring patches. But uh, that card just felt so thick, and it was so interesting to me that I wanted to see, you know, I, I, and you saw inserts, right? But you didn't know how they came about. So that was really the curiosity just to go, well, I think I'm guaranteed a case hit or something. There's got to be something here for buying you to these things. So... Actually, I, re I do remember my first case hit, actually, and you would laugh really hard. And again, this is a, maybe a caution to people that are thinking about, you know, maybe spending silly money on a on a on a 0506, uh, you know, um, a case that way. Like my 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 card was a scripted swatches out of uh, I forgot. It was about 25, I think. Uh, Patrick Waugh and he had Montreal Canadiens and Colorado Avalanche, but it was a Colorado Avalanche. And, you know, sure, great card, but it's not a card you want to go pay. I don't know what the case would, of this stuff goes for now, probably 15, right. 20,000, something silly. But that's what that could have been your phone hit, right? Yeah, not 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 all case hits are equal. That's for sure. Okay, so back to earlier. Paul Cashman says, bring hot dog inserts to the cup. That's for you, Billy. We want hot dog inserts in the cup, please. 
Sean says, what is it about the cup brand that makes it that expensive versus other brands of upper deck? Just trying to increase my knowledge, relatively new to the hobby. Well, Sean, it is the highest end product. It's the fact that out of every pack, you're going to get at least two autographs. You're going to get at least two cards that have game use memorabilia in them. And this is old. These are old kind of guidelines. They might have changed and you might be getting more now, but you're really looking for these big hits. There are one of one shield cards, the NHL shield that sits right up here on the jersey. You're going to get one of one property of cards where they have the player's name from the stick, cut out of the stick, embedded in the card. You're going to get, you know, the nicest patch auto cards, which are called limited logos and honorable numbers of, of the best, the Wayne Gretzky's, the Sidney Crosby's, the Marilyn Muse, the Alexander Ovechkin's, Connor McDavid's, the list goes on. So it's really just the highest end product in hockey cards uh, as far as upper deck goes. And every sport has their highest end product, whether it's national treasures in basketball or, uh, you know, I'm not even sure what the highest end product that Tops does for baseball is these days. But I know there's several high end products there. So but anyway, it's just a super high end product with beautiful cards. Um, and you're going to get you're going to get like every card you get is going to be something quite substantial in there for the most part. So I'd say if anyone has a better answer than that, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear it and I'll throw it up on the screen. Uh, Brian says Fleer hockey cards. LOL. Why are they so cheap? What else is cheap? Be a player. I mean, an upper deck hasn't done a Fleer product now since probably 2016, I believe. And I've been I keep on lobbying with uh, with Billy and others at Upper Deck saying, let's bring back a FLIR product because I think it's a great uh, gateway for basketball collectors to become a bit more interested in, in hockey cards. And once we get the basketball collectors in, you know, sky's the limit because they seem to love spending lots of money on cards. So that's always good. Uh, D says to Steve, love the backstory to the start of your hobby. Yeah, for sure. That's always, always interesting. Paul says lots of autographs and patches in the cup for sure. Billy, here's a great here's great information, guys. This is why you watch this show because Billy says it's tough to use game used jerseys because these cards are made so early. Sometimes teams don't give us our jerseys until the end of the year. Again, Billy works at Upper Deck, so he's saying sometimes teams don't give Upper Deck the jerseys that are coming to them until the end of the year, and by then it's too late to put them in the cup. The cup's already been packed out and cards sent to players to autograph and all that. Don't want to risk redemptions on top rookies at that price point. So. Very fair. And Thomas says, Billy, you're a gangster. For sure. For sure. Awesome. Thanks for that, Bill. And Rick, that's so important because we hear online all the time. I read, I read kind of complaints and, you know, people grumbling about the cup and why is, you know, for this price, but why isn't it game used? And yeah, we'd all love it to be game used. That would be optimal. But the fact of the matter is there's logistics involved. And Billy just explained it. So pretty fair, pretty fair comments. I appreciate it. Yeah. Brian, people, I got foam. I got like, what does that mean? I got foam. Only a, really only a sports card collector would understand that. And most wouldn't still, right? Mm -hmm. Sean says, uh, more so than black diamond ingrained SP game used and authentic. Sean, if you're speaking to like, you know, is cut more high end than those? The answer is yes. But if that's not your question, feel free to, uh, to restate it in the comments. An unidentified Facebook user says, hmm, cup hockey. Yeah, no doubt. It is, it is. What everybody, you know, there's people I see in the hobby that they, they, they'll save up all year to buy one pack of this stuff. Cause it's like five, it's more than $500 a pack for the current year's product. It's probably going to be 750 when it comes out this year. So it's very expensive and people really, they really savor opening up even one pack of it. Cause it is, it's, it's an, it's an exclusive, exclusive product. 
Paul says, yeah, limited numbers on the rookie cards again to what makes Cup the best. The 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 rookie cards are are short printed. You know, they're they're I mean, 249 isn't necessarily such a short print anymore, but it's a lot short printed than the more of the mainstream product. And then if you hit one of the best rookie cards, it's going to be limited to only 99 for even more scarcity built into it. Uh, Paul says, Sean, the cup is Carvin's baby. Yes, Carvin Chung, who has been uh, my guest on the show twice. He invented the cup as well as exquisite in terms of the brand itself and came up with that concept of a super high-end product. And that's why, Steve, you were alluding and referring to Carvin earlier on in the episode when you were talking to him about your disappointment when you found out the Evgeny Malkin rookie didn't have game used memorabilia and it was photo shoot. Mm -hmm. So it's always been nice with Upper Deck that the guys are at the shows and willing to talk to, to the collectors. It's called Cup Hockey, the Holy Grail. Very fair. What was the original name of property of? I mean, going back, uh, going back to 0506, they were called, if, if that's when they debuted, I don't even remember, but they were never called anything but property ofs in the cup, as far as I know. Um, what does Amit say? Amit says, I've witnessed two prominent collectors doing pack poker with 0506 cup, and that was a sight to see. Memorize, memories, how much did that cost? So if you don't know what he's talking about, everybody watching, pack poker, basically everyone's, we're each going to buy a pack of cards and we're going we're gonna to open them up and whoever gets the best card, let's say, who has the best card is going to get both packs or whoever has a card with the player who say is the tallest gets everybody's <laughs> the most penalty minutes in a season on the statistics on the back gets everybody's cards. And we play it often at trader nights and that where you're buying, you know, $5 packs. But what Amit is saying is that he's seen people play this game buying $500 packs of cards. So it's straight out gambling, but it, Hey, if you want to do it, it's a lot of fun. Um, D says, if you have a case of 1516, do you open it or sell it? That's a great question. <laughs> but what would you do if you had, again, that's the year that has Connor McDavid's rookie year in it potentially. Yeah. Um, I actually don't know what those are retailing right, right now. I'm, I think for, for 1516 cup six tens, I think we've probably, a good friend, uh, one of my best friends in the hobby and I ended up, we probably broke about 50 or 60 cases. Um, and But that was at a much lower, it's probably a third the price of what it is now. But again, those, McDavid, when he was first coming out of the gate, was about a $12,000, $13,000 card that way. Yeah. Um, so again, that's kind of commiserate with uh, what it was. Sorry, let me interrupt. Just answer this question first, I'm going to take you back to another one. Oh, sure. If you had a case right now, would you open it or would you sell it? sell it sell it okay now thank you for that that answers the question but you in, in your answer you mentioned something that some people might not have heard you said in the year of 1516 you along with another hobby friend of yours opened between 50 i think you said 50 and yeah. 60 cases of the cup keeping yeah. in mind everybody that a case of that product was probably four or five thousand dollars so if you're opening four or five mm -hmm. sorry four fifty or sixty cases You've made a significant investment. What's that? That's like encroaching on a quarter million dollars, pretty much. Tell us about that. Most people watching have never been a part of that or, or, or witnessed anybody bust open a quarter million dollars worth of sports cards. Can you tell us what that was like? And did you do it all at once? <laughs> I think it was done mostly all at once and in, in one day, pretty much. Um, it was, I don't know, it's, it's surreal. And the sad thing is 
you kind of go hunting for things after a while, like as you would probably assume, there is a massive amount of garbage that you got to throw out with everything else. Um, it's fun to see what comes out of it because I don't know, I'm a stats guy, I'm a finance guy. So I love seeing, oh, well, how did we do versus the average number of, you know, cup plates versus, you know, we pit, we pulled more exquisite out of 97 McDavid's that way versus the cup ones, a cup RPA 99's that way. Um, you know, we did hit the number one out of 99 McDavid as well. So that was a big card. Um, that was a beautiful patch and everything else. That was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, but, you know, for every, and again, I go back to the question, you know, the, 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 the slim chance that you do of hitting, you know, you could go, you know, the other out of 99s that year, um, you know, probably Panarin's probably number two there, right? Um, oh, sorry, I forgot about Ico, but then it was uh, the non-autograph, right? Um, but uh, again, it was, you're really hunting for things that way. And if you don't hit that, I'll say that right now, if you're a seller of that case, you'll do, that's a better mean expected return versus, you know, if you, you know, if you end up trying, um, I think you're just, the, the expected return has got to be far, just fractions of what you're going to get. But, and it's just really, really tough. Like until you go through it, like, yeah, you really have to go through it. And then you'll, you know, I think we probably hit an out of 99, probably about one out of every, I'll say seven cases, something like that. About there. So, so the, the finance guy in you says sell it, but the collector in you would probably open it. And I'm only saying that because you crack 50 to 60 cases of this stuff. You obviously enjoy cracking the product. So yeah, yeah, it's not fair to say investor, finance guy, sell it, take the money and run. It's a better expected return. Yeah. But the collector in you is probably going to open. I think the collector and all of us would love to open it up, but we'd be so scared of, you know, what comes out of it would not cover our cost and we lose, you know, you're always gonna end up with something, but okay, let's let's continue on here. We're just gonna get through a few more of the comments and we'll move on to our next topic. So Brian says, so is the cup super hard to get or has it been available in past years? Brian, it's it's mm -hmm. tough to get. The the card shops are allocated the product. It's not, it's not like, you know, the more mainstream products that are, there's plenty of it. It is limited in production, um, but you can find it if you look hard enough, that's for sure. Uh, Sean says we need to bring back Fleer Metal Universe. Here, here, Sean. Here, here. I agree with you totally. And Amit confirms it is heavily allocated and pricey, and it's been available every year since 0506. Good point, Amit. Yes, the cup has come out every year since 0506. And for the first few years after the inaugural year, you know, coming up to the spring, everybody would always say, "Is the is the cup going to come out?" Every year? <laughs> Remember that? We'd always like, oh yeah, oh yeah. If it's going to come out, I always knew. I'm like, of course they're putting it out. The <laughs> one product, of course they're putting it out. But people always wondered because Upper Deck kept it to the chest. It was, it was a, it was a big deal for them. A big part, obviously, a big part of their their product calendar. Sean says, thanks for the answer. Saw a box at 2300. Next highest was 400. So just curious. Yeah, it depends what year. To get a year of 05, a package of 0506 could be a couple thousand dollars for the very slim chance that you're going to pull a Crosby or an Ovechkin rookie out of it, or you know, a nice Gretzky autograph or something like that. Thanks for the update, Paul. Philly wins. Can't really say I expected the Habs to win, but thanks, Ernie, as well. Amit says, if people were to listen to wax, sorry, if people were to listen to wax breaks, they'd think we're all crazy. Busting wax doesn't sound so PC, do you? I think you're just saying the, the words that come out of our mouth when we're 
opening up packs of product can be if you don't know you're listening to people open up packs of hockey cards or sports cards you might wonder what's going on in that room so facebook user is carvin carvin welcome to the show hey carvin long time there you thank you steve uh carvin if you you've been on here carvin i don't know just go to Streamyard and click the button or if you're on your phone do it there and then we'll see who you are my buddy Jason says, what are your thoughts on Shifley RC of the Cup value-wise? Now, Steve, why don't you take this one? Because uh, Jason is a buddy of mine from Winnipeg, and um, we often talk about our, you know, I'm not a Jets fan anymore, but I was for a long time. So we often talk about our, our love of, um, of yeah. Mark Shifley. He's a great player. How can you not love this guy? He's, the first, he's their first ever draft pick in their history in 2011. Yeah. Like sixth or seventh overall, whatever it was. Uh, great player. Do you have any personal thoughts on Shifley? Is he somebody that you think is investable or or just collectible? I'm sure, you know, again, I'll, 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 I'm a pretty blunt person that way. So I'll, I'll say I think collect, collectible versus investable. I think collectible because the sad part is Winnipeg as a super, super, like I, it was great to see the Jets come back because you saw how vibrant and how energetic that fan base is. But again, if we just go to the world of like basketball or something else where you need that fan base, you need the money behind it. I don't see that from Winnipeg and Shifley like has nothing to do with the player. It's just literally, if he was like on the Vancouver Canucks that way, wow, would he be like, it would just be a very different market for his card values for sure. Um, you know, uh, it's, and I think also the one of those things and this is just my anecdotes and my experience in the hobby for the little it's worth, but I noticed that if you have a lot of that pent up hype that way, you really kind of start having that base already, whether it's deserved or not, you know, um, you start having, you know, you take like an Alexander Dig is a perfect example, right? There was so much hype there. He was, his cards were so much higher than Paul Korea's at that time, I remembered. And you always wanted that card. Um, and it didn't matter until it was like, you know, you had one bad year, maybe it's going to improve, um, but you still have time, you know, on the way down that way. But uh, to get someone that's coming from no, you know a, a lesser place that doesn't have all that hype with a without being kind of a one two or three draft pick that way it gets a little bit tougher that way. So I'd say you know collect him if you if you like him if you expect to go make money and invest in him that way I'd be I'd be wary. Well, I think you know a couple of things. I think for a guy like Shifley to become more valuable than he is today for his Cup rookie, let's say. He needs to win a cup or he needs to win a heart trophy or a, or an art raw or a, uh, yeah, an art Ross trophy, or he needs to, you know, or there needs to be a high expectation that the team is going to make a strong run for the cup. They, his values did jump a couple of years ago, just before the playoffs. And then they came back down to where they were. And now his card would just be waiting for another strong playoff run or, a high expectation of a strong playoff run, you know, kind of in end of February throughout March sort of thing on an, of course, in a normal non pandemic uh, year of sports. So, um, but Jason, from me to you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Shifley. I think he's a great player. He's a, he's a great person from what I can tell. And I think there is, I think there is opportunity there and players get traded all the time. So there's all, not that you want them to, but they do. Um, I want to say also, Steve, you know, you almost made the comparison there that, well, if you played for the Canucks, you'd have maybe some more value, but I don't know that that's true. The Winnipeg fans are passionate. They love, they love their team. They love their team because Winnipeg, the sort of the mentality in Winnipeg is that is of an underdog city. I, I lived there for 30 years. I know that I can say that. And when you, when you get your team back, it's like nothing else. I was on cloud nine when the Jets got their team back and I'd been gone from there for five years or for almost 10 years at that point. So 
in any event, let's keep moving on. Scott says, can you tell the tins that have the foam by feeling them? A few guys at the booth were so no, you can't because they're 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 in like three levels of packaging. So no, you cannot. You cannot. Um, and and you also can't tell by feel because foam weighs nothing. So there's no way to really know. Uh, Dave says he heard that McDavid's property of just got pulled, uh, his only one. That's interesting. We'd love to see what that looks like. Jason says for the cup, I take the price point for pack and use that as a budget and grab me the cards on my <laughs> on the secondary market. I win every time. And I've seen people do that over the years. Well, they'll they'll actually make a game of it. They'll say, okay, I'm going to take $500 that I could have spent on one pack of the cup. And I'm going to buy cards on eBay, let's say, five or six cards, like would have come in that pack. And let's see what I end up with. And all of a sudden you're buying, you're basically customizing a pack of cards or, you know, a lot of cards for $500. And you're, and you're, 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 you're really sharpshooting at what you want to, to own instead of taking the gamble and getting whatever comes out of the pack. So um, I think, I think that's a, a savvy sort of way to do it, but there sure is a lot. There, there's, there's something to be said for being the one to open up these products as well. Like you did with 50 or 60 cases of the stuff. And I mean, each pack is a gamble in itself and you're going to get lucky sometimes. That's for sure. So uh, Carvin says, I thought Steve was out of the hobby. What do I know? Well, I mean, Steve's a pretty low key, semi-private guy until coming on this show. But, uh, you know, Steve, nice to, nice to know you're back in the hobby. And I've seen you lurking on Hobby Insider and that for a while. So great to have you back. Dee wants to say thank you for answering the question. Um, Brian says, I've, and guys, everybody watching, we're going to get through the comments and then we're going to talk about Steve's recent acquisition that is really the subject of this episode. So we're going to get to it probably at the one hour mark because these shows go, go on and on. But here we go. Brian says, I've made some decent bets in my time, but wow, never that on cards. I would be a nervous wreck. Yet you're not alone. Many people were. Carvin says, I watched Steve pull a Crosby rookie card yeah. right in front of me. Yes, Carvin, we were talking about that. Steve told the, sh the story of that day at the beginning of the show. I was in that. I was in the crowd watching as well. I remember it very clearly. Brian says, as long as I never... Uh, as I never in the same room as that 15-16 cup, I would rip it. I hear you, Brian. I think a lot of us, it was planned to be stealth, just like exquisite. So he's, what Carvin is talking about there is that they didn't announce that it was coming out until like the last minute each year. They kind of kept the, the hobby on the edge of their seats wondering, is it going to come? Is it going to come? Then boom, it's coming. Here's the sell sheet. Everybody get all excited. What does Isaiah says? Isaiah says, I remember you once had an 0506, the cup rookie gold out of eight. Do you regret selling it in hindsight? What would you, and what do you believe it would be worth today? So before you take it, Steve, what Isaiah is talking about is, first of all, he must, know, he must remember you, Steve. He remembered that you had, that would be an Alexander Ovechkin rookie card from that year, but the gold parallel that was numbered to the player's jersey number. So Ovechkin only had eight of them. And these cards are, I mean, these are big ticket items right now. So the question is interesting. What do you believe it would be worth today? But Steve, why don't you take it away? What do you, you know, do you regret selling that card? He wants to know. And secondly, yeah. what do you think that would be worth today? So kind of funny. I've had two of them. I don't have any left. I have, I had the seven of eight that was, I want to say three color. And then I had a star patch one. And I'm going to forget what number, but I think four maybe. But a couple of them had star patches that way, like really like, if you looked at it today, you probably would think it would be fake, but I know those were real. Um, I had two of those, and for me, I was going through, it, and this is going towards Carbon, I got in and out of the hobby like a good number of times because you know I had a love-hate relationship with it. Um, 
the love part was 0506 cup always i would just love those cards it was i didn't have any problems buying like you know i'll get made fun of but uh i i love the eye appeal of like the out of 87 gold crosby auto rookie patch like that that card i always remembered like if I look at the card side by side that way, that card on the eye appeal because the way it blends in with the Pittsburgh colors was just such, dare I even say, like a sexy card. <laughs> like it, it was just, it had so much eye appeal that way. It was just, you know, it really captivated me. I think for the Ovechkin that way, and it's, this is a strange one, and again, this is my quirks, the autograph on Ovechkin that way, it was really tough to find a really good autograph of Alexander Ovechkin. There were times that it was really small, not proportional to the card. Things like that actually bugged me enough that I that I just go through them as in they don't stay in my PC. I'll keep on, it'll be a beautiful card and it'll be like, well, it's just irked me enough. Um, I think the last one I sold and I went through PWCC on that, that was the same option that I sold a BGS 9.5 Ovechkin 3 color that way. Um, and I think I was telling Jeremy, this one it was pretty it was pretty recent. It was the first Ovechkin to kind of break. <laughs> it's kind of a funny story. If someone offered me, you know, I think that card, a BGS 9.5 Ovechkin auto rookie patch out of 99, three colors, all day long, you could have, for the last 14 years, you probably could have bought that card between $4,500 and $6,500 all day long. The first time when uh, that I listed that card, you know, I think PWCC great made made a great video out of it and all that. I had no idea. You know, I probably would have taken six thousand dollars for that card. That card ended up transacting at I think twenty two, twenty one to twenty three thousand somewhere somewhere there, and I was mesmerized because I was I also sold a BGS nine Crosby two color that I think I was about eighteen or nineteen k on, and that literally like it was a huge shock to me. Um, you know, and at, at that same auction, I did sell one of my, I think the number four of eight, um, you know, the, a star patched uh, Ovechkin out of uh, eight that way. I think tra that transacted at about 12, I think. Um, I would guess, again, uh, the little that I would say, maybe that's probably a $20,000 card now. You know, it's probably not less than that. I, I, but again, I don't. This is me personally. I don't, what I have seen is I don't think that the Ovechkin market is very hot for the right cards, but there's a lot of cards that you would think would be rising and they haven't. You know, maybe that's just a lag in time. Don't know, but maybe my my personal opinion, uh, again, little it's worth, I don't think that market is that deep yet. And I think this is probably Ovechkin being Russian that way um, and, you know, Canada supporting, you know, Canadian players. I think, you know, it's more to do with that versus obviously, you know, he's chasing Gretzky's record, all of this stuff. And it's it's really cool to be living this, like, you know, and just even have something in hand that way that, you know, that you can say you've got something kind of riding on Alexander Ovechkin and following his journey and his story and, you know, challenging, you know, the great one's goal record. Like that's really crazy to even think about in modern hockey, right? So yeah, and no regrets, no regrets. If I wanted that card bad, badly enough and everything else, I'd just go pay up for it. But, so, uh, we, so let's say you did want it badly enough and you were going to go pay up for it. Give me uh, nothing else, but tell me how much it's worth today. Don't say anything else, but give me the number that just popped. A number, I know a number just popped in your head. Say it out loud right now. That's probably like 25. 25,000. Okay, so there you go, Isaiah. He thinks it would be worth about 25,000. Sometimes, Steve, I, I do this all the time. I play the game with people all the time. What do you think it's worth? And I know when someone, when you ask that question, a number pops in people's <laughs> minds right away. Whether it's crazy or not, 
but something pops in your mind, even if it's a range, I want to hear it. So it's best to get it out really quick. Okay. Thanks for that. Um, D says, you know, what, wondering what card rivals the Crosby. I mean, if you're talking overall in hockey cards, uh, D Cabral, I would say you've got the Ovechkin rookie, you've got the McDavid rookie in the cup, and that's about it that would rival it. Um, and, and, and even Steve would argue that the McDavid doesn't rival it because it's not game used. And that's a, a key distinction for Steve in terms of why he was willing to invest significantly into the Crosby rookie that he did, which we'll bring up in a few moments. Paul says that Winnipeg is like the Milwaukee Bucks. And I, I mean, you know, I'm from Winnipeg, so I, I get sensitive sometimes. But at the same time, I understand that Winnipeg is a small market team, and as are the Milwaukee Bucks in baseball. So I think that's probably a fair comparison for the most part. Sean says, I've heard people say not to collect defensemen because they don't hold their value. A debate in the break room was had between Jack and Quinn Hughes. Is this a true statement or player dependent? Steve, I'll take this one if you don't mind. Um, so Sean, the general rule is that is true. And it's mostly true, I think, because people talk about it all the time. But there are some wonderful defensemen in the league. And um, I almost wonder if people stop saying defensemen get no, get no love if more people start to buy them. Guys like Nicholas Lidstrom, Ray Bork. I mean, Bobby Orr gets a ton of love in the hobby. His his rookie card is one of the four, you know, people call it a Mount Rushmore of hockey cards type of card. But as for the modern day hobby, I mean, you get you get rookies like Hedman when he was drafted second overall behind John Tavares, or you get guys like Aaron Ekblad, who I believe was drafted first overall. These are defensemen. And their rookie cards aren't worth any, they're not worth much. So it's kind of just happened that way. But I don't know that that's going to be the, the general rule forever, in my opinion. And partially because there's many defensemen whose cards I'd love to, you know, I love to own. Drew Doughty's another guy who is most likely, he's got cups, he's got Olympics, he's got all these gold medal, he's got everything going for him. But he's a defenseman. But, you know, someone with that resume should have hobby love, especially if they're going to get into the Hall of Fame. As for the Hughes brothers, tough to say. Too early in their careers. But Wayne Gretzky says that Quinn Hughes has some of the nicest hands he's ever seen. So if that isn't an endorsement for skill and potential hobby success for a defenseman, I don't know what is. Um, Steve, anything to add on defensemen in the hobby? Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. When I was growing up that way, like, Ray Bork on the Bruins was like my favorite player. Like, you know, like, uh, and I always wanted to collect him and I did, I had a lot of really great and they made like 0506 had great Bruins patches. I mean, like, like they really had a lot of great Bruins patches versus any other patches that I remember seeing that way. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's the lack, the lack of interest and people wanting to go trade with you with those cards and that kind of was was it for me because I was more interested in saying, oh, okay, well, I've got a lot of stuff. Maybe we can go trade for something. And I realized, again, the sad reality of how tough it is to get a trade done uh, in the hobby. So usually, you know, unfortunately, it stays much more of a eBay objective type, you know, thing for me versus convert something into cash and go buy it instead of, well, can I try to get this perfect, you know, fit or whatever? Um, yeah, but I think defensemen, uh, yeah, if, you, if you're actually collecting is all fine. You can do whatever you want. But if you're actually investing... Um, Besides Bobby, or like I would, I would stay clear of defensemen. Fair, fair comment. Okay, well, I mean, I, I say fair comment just as I'm, I'm moving on in the discussion, but um, I, I say I think that's true, and mm -hmm. uh, but I don't. What I don't think is fair is that defensemen just don't get the love that some deserve, and you know, Stanley Cups are won by defense. I saw, I, I heard that by a prominent sportscaster yesterday. So, I mean, they don't get the the just the, what they what, they don't get the love they deserve. But um, Carvin made it makes a comment. 
way down here. And I'm going to just, before I bring it up, I've got to remember where we were. Okay, at 8.51. So Common makes the, Carvin makes the comment right here. Chicks dig the goals in offense. So there you go. <laughs> so let's go back up. I want to... I want to get through some more comments, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna move on to uh, talking about why you made this investment that you did. But I think this is Carvin says the property ups were originally called shafts of greatness, stick oh. shaft, Gretzky greatness, but it was vetoed. Yeah, I wonder why. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad I don't have to offer for sale cars called shafts of greatness. I'm glad that you were vetoed on that, Carvin, back in the day. Uh, Paul says, history shows the only defenseman to significantly appreciate and value is Bobby Orr, but collect what you'll like and you'll never be disappointed. Very fair. And Sean says, thank you. You're more than welcome. Jason says, well done, guys. Great advice on Shifley. Thank you, Jason. Isaiah says, thanks for answering the question. I own the six of eight, four color with a star patch. And yes, yours was four of eight. Loved it from the first time I saw it. So there you go. Awesome card, Isaiah. That's awesome. That is awesome. Don't let it go. Uh, Paul says, no worries. I bet money that Hughes and Makar will be cheaper once the Lafreniere rookie comes out. I think that would be a good bet. D says, just sent you a photo on Instagram of the property of McDavid. My buddy pulled it and I connected with him, the, him with the buyer, Dennis87pens on Instagram. Thank you for that, D. I'll be sure, I'm sure I'm following already and can't wait to see it. Karn, the big three may have bought the Ovechkin out of eight from you, four of eight. Karn runs the big three. Karn, welcome to the show. Um, Good luck, I believe this is still Carvin because I know Carvin wants to buy a Cross BRPA as his for a part of his legacy for his daughter, his daughter Grace, who's uh, like three years old. So really, really nice. That would certainly be a, a beautiful asset to pass along. But Carvin, if you know, the last one sold for $125,000. So start saving up. <laughs> um, oh, and I guess we have, uh, I think I know who this is. Uh, hello, my brother. This must be my man, the, the, none other than everybody than the mayor of Canada, Rich Barone. And I know this because he says, how about my Islanders? Congratulations on the Islanders success. And I know you do take, I do, I know you do get satisfaction, Rich, from the fact that the Leafs and John Tavares did not move on again. Jeff wants to know, what is the Holy Grail Ovechkin? I mean, Steve, it's got to be it's got to be either his cup rookie patch auto out of 99 or his gold parallel out of eight. What do you think? I actually think it's a different card. Um, so I think for me, I've held that card in my hand as well, too, unfortunately. And Carmen will know the whole story towards that as well. It would be the 0506 Ultimate. I think they're, it's, it's a rookie NHL shield, auto rookie NHL shield logo one of one that way. I would consider that Ovechkin's best, de facto best card. I think I have held also the number eight out of 99 in my hands that way on uh, on that uh, great four color patch and everything else. Really cool. Um, but again, I think if I have to have a de facto best card that way, um, I consider that, uh, that uh, the, the player's de facto best card. The ultimate rookie shield card. Right, because that's autographed with an NHL logo that way. Um, that once, I believe, I want to say it was photo shoot. Um, I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong. Okay, so and Carvin, Carvin makes a comment below here. I'm going to bring it up because he goes, he says that um, it's the ultimate shield, but it's damaged, that's which right. is that's corner. The bottom right hand corner of that card was so was so incredibly damaged because my good friend ended up having the redemption for that. And they had a lot of chats to say, how bad is it? And it was really, really bad to the yeah. point that you couldn't put it into a 
135 one touch it was that jammed up that it wouldn't actually fit into one of those yeah fair so, so still for me i look i think they're one of ones that way conditioned regardless that way that is just his best card still in my opinion so and you know what i do not disagree with you i i do not think that the damage on that card takes it off of its status as being the most important Alexander Ovechkin card that, that exists. And all you need to do is look at that Michael Jordan precious metal gems from 1997, the one, the green out of 10 that sold about 15, 16 months ago for $350,000. That card is in a, is in a PSA authentic holder, meaning they wouldn't grade it, meaning they believe it's been all, sorry, it's in an altered holder. Never mind, It's altered on it. So, that's altered is worse than physical damage to a card. And, that card, you know, and the owner of that card loves it as much as he would if it wasn't altered or something. So damage a card that is damaged, you know, I've, as the years go by, even in my own collection, I'm happy to sometimes just own a copy of the card, whether it's a PSA or a BGS 10 versus a six or a seven or an eight. I mean, I'm, I'm still happy sometimes just to own the card. Condition is important. Don't get me wrong, but sometimes on cards that are so rare, you just got to own it and it doesn't matter what what if there might be some damage on it. So I, I, I hear you on that. OK, let's keep on going here. Uh, Georgetown Vintage, welcome to the show, wants to know what is the best place to buy and sell high end hockey cards and RPAs? Is it eBay, Golden Shows? I mean, honestly, it's a bit of I, I've sold on all the all the platforms. Um, I haven't sold through Golden Auctions, but I would consider it, especially since Ken Golden's going to be my guest on the show a week today. But I mean, eBay is a great place to do it card shows and then you know what person to person through social media whether it's instagram or facebook i mean even youtubers uh there's lots of lots of transactions are be done are being done sort of um without being publicly recorded in the in the public domain on places like ebay's completed listings and that so uh, but it's going to be the same as high-end basketball you know pwcc and, and probe scene seem to get good money for their cards so i consider any of that or just selling it yourself um, hey, Jeremy, do you believe that Lafreniere will spike the retail asking price for the case price? Sorry, I just tuned in. Yes, I do. I mean, if any product that Lafreniere is in, I mean, anytime you have a big name rookie in a in a year, every product that year is going to sell more for more than if there was no big name rookie in the product that year, especially someone who may, or, who, who may be generational like Crosby, McDavid, even Austin Matthews, especially being in Toronto was had a spike and yeah, Lafreniere going to the Rangers, I think is great. So yeah, I think you're going to see not only the cup, but all, all products being a bit more expensive than if he wasn't in there. And also if he wasn't in on an original six team, if he ended up in Florida or, or Nashville, Minnesota, even um, I don't think the, that is that, that the product would be worth as much as it will be. Now Karn says, nice 25% of the out of eight OBs are in the chat. Yeah. It's, Funny how small the hobby can be sometimes. Adam says, happens across all sports. Pitchers, big men in basketball, defensive football players just don't get the hobby. Yeah, great point, Adam. Thanks for piping up. Really appreciate it. Welcome to the show. Um, and yes, very, very astute point. So probably my talking about how I think it's unfair, it won't change anything. And um, and that's just the way it is. <laughs> and this is Richie's comment about John Tavares. The Islanders do not need him. Okay. <laughs> Guys, the questions are pouring in and I love it. Thank you very much. But we do need to get to the to the really the main of the main feature here. So let's uh, I'm gonna put comments on hold now for a little bit, guys. And let's talk about and let's show this card. So Steve. 
first of all, you don't have this Crosby card in hand. You bought it on eBay from eBay consignment sellers, um, PWCC. And they offer a service where they will actually sell you the card and then hold it for you in their vault. And you've chosen this approach right now for several reasons. One is just leave it there during the pandemic, especially. Uh, you don't want to risk anything. It's a very, obviously very expensive card. So let's just take a look at what this card looks like, everybody. So there you go. This is the card that Steve bought. And this card is, if you are if you haven't seen a, a, what we're talking about, these RPAs. So when we say the term RPA, we mean rookie patch auto. It's just a shorthand way of saying what these high-end cards are. So it's a rookie card because it came out for his rookie year. It's got a patch right here. That, that right there is a one color. Obviously, it's all black. It's a game use patch. It's embedded in the card. And then you've got the autograph right here, meaning Sidney Crosby held this in his hand and he signed it. The card is serially numbered right here out of 99. This is number 52 of 99. And it's been graded, authenticated, and slabbed, sonically sealed in a, in, a, in a holder by Beckett Grading Services. They've given it the grade designation as a pristine 10 with sub centering a 10, edges 10, surface 10, and corners 9.5. So <clears throat> it's a very, um, it truly is a crown jewel of the hobby. This card, you know, PWCC, when they sold it, they, you know, they probably did a video on this one too, Steve. I don't remember seeing it, but they would have because they would have known it was going to go for big money. And this card, I looked at the, I looked at the bid history, uh, you know, for until a few minutes before it sold, it was sitting at around $60,000. But in the last couple of seconds, it seems to me like there were at least two, maybe three bidders that all bid well over a hundred thousand and you were the high bidder at $125,200. But that may not have been your maximum bid because eBay takes your high bid as a proxy and will bid the next incremental for you until your proxy is outbid. Are you willing to tell the viewers what your high bid was on this card? <laughs> uh, I will, because um, I, I don't think this, this card's never really moving for me that way. I, I might have one plan that I may share uh, later on with this card, but uh, for me, um, 188 was my was my bid. Uh, 188. I did not think I would win it for 188. Um, I'm still pretty shocked that I have it for what I paid for it that way. Obviously, yes, lots of money for cards and you know all of this stuff. But uh, um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so so you were actually willing to pay up to 188 thousand dollars for the card in the last second when you and I know what it's like. I've put in some, you know, not never a bid like that, but I've put in some big bids on cards too in the last second. And you're always you click that bid. You click that bid now and you wait for it to process so you can see, did I am I the high bidder now? And if I am, at what price? Especially when it's looking like it's at, because it's not sitting at 125100 It's sitting at like 60000 You put in your bid for 188 It churn, churn, churn. Boom. You now won this card for $125,200. At that point in time, I would expect your psychology to be such that, hey, I just, I'm up 50 grand right away. I'm up $55,000. I was willing to spend 55, almost 50% more than I did on this card. I'm up 50 grand. Like I'm already ahead on this investment. Did that, did you, did you have that thought? Did you feel that way? I, I think, and again, maybe I'm a, I'm a, I react to things a little bit more rationally and, uh, and objectively at times. The first thought was actually, I think my computer froze. Um, I saw the green and I saw winning bid and then I didn't see anything else. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I sniped at probably three seconds left that way. I'd probably do a couple of bids as tests within 
the last two minutes that way just to see how good my internet connection is. Um, and then I just put in my, my you know, take it or leave it number that way. And I, I have lost enough auctions that I have no qualms. I won't lose a second of sleep if I don't win something. Um, this one for me, I actually had to reset my computer and say, oh, okay, well, you know, that probably didn't happen. And then when you see that you have won this auction for, and I was like, I can't swear on your show, so I won't. But uh, yeah, that was about, that was, uh, you know, that was my reaction. I was really shocked, to be honest. Um, um, I think if it was, you know, bigger cards like that, when I think someone else had chimed in with uh, different platforms that way, again, if this went to like a Leland that, you know, the McDavid 97 out of 99 sold on, or if it went to Golden that way, I would probably expect that I wouldn't have won that card. Um, again, you, who knows? But uh, that that's my bet because I think, eBay is a great place for, and yes, they're, you know, just objectively said, I think cards that are in the, you know, 50 to $100,000 range, it definitely goes well. Like you've seen a lot of basketball get there. Hockey wise, if you're in the, you know, 10 to $30,000 range, I think that does very well for eBay. But if you have like a card like this, where it is really just the best of the best, I think when you go to the larger auction sites that way and you have, you know, you have much bigger people than they're just not in the hobby. They just want the best of the best of the player. Doesn't matter if it happens to be a hockey card. Um, I just don't think I'm competitive, to be honest. Um, but you know, again, it is what it is. So with that, while I while I bring it back up for everybody to see again, because you don't have it in hand, um, why did you decide to to deploy 125,000 US dollars of capital? into this particular, and I'm going to refer to it as an asset just for the, for this line of question. What, what were you, what was your thought behind that? I mean, you're obviously like, I understand people coming into the hobby and with, with that have that kind of capital available and saying, I'm just going to buy the best of the best without really caring if it's a hockey card or a basketball card or who the athlete is. They just want the best of the best, but you're not that guy. You're actually a collector at heart who, I mean, like it or not, when you deploy that amount of capital into an asset, it's an investment, whether you, I don't care how much money you have, it, it's an investment. It just, you have to consider it that because nobody just goes and expenses 125 grand. Um, I shouldn't say nobody, but most in the 99.99% of the world doesn't do that. So what was, what's your rationale? Why did you invest in this particular copy of this Sidney Crosby rookie card? Why did you invest that kind of capital into a hockey card? Yeah, take it away, man. Sure, um, with that background, I think you've laid it out nicely actually when you said asset, because I think, sure, I've had I've had a lot of cards that are in the, you know, call it 10 to 30K range that way in hockey that way. And those, don't like to say it, but uh, everything else that way, I've always looked at this hobby as just leisure to me. Like, it's not an investment. It's, I like shiny new things. In my life that way, um, I'm just, you know, I, I run disciplined investments. That's all I do. And this is the, the first hobby that I'm able to be a little wacky, take a little bit of, you know, just buy things that are nice and shiny without thinking about, oh, is this a good investment or not? Um, but, you know, when you mentioned asset and using this card as an asset, um, this one changed my thinking because, again, if I'm willing to go pay 188 for it that way, that obviously was a real decision that way. And I didn't look at this as you know, just another, okay, well, I'm just going to go buy another, you know, Crosby two color RPA or whatever, because, you know, because it's just there. Um, this card was very different for me for that. So I'll say that this card for me was a complete stars aligned card for me. Um, you know, inaugural cup here that way, you know, this is again, someone mentioned it earlier. This is Carbon's ba baby. 
Like when Exquisite came out with, you know, 03, 04 for LeBron year that way, that was the pinnacle. That was the best card set, period. When the cup came out in 05, 06, it was launched exactly that way. And being there for that launch and then just having those, you know, really breaking a lot there and understanding, you know, the design and how iconic that design will always be because I cannot see any product being above the cup for hockey. I don't think that ever exists. Um, you know, so inaugural year of the cup, 0506, first point. Second point is I've opened enough 0506 cup that I'm not a grader, but I've sent in enough stuff for grading that I will use as a blanket and say the average card probably grades an eight or eight and a half on a BGS scale that way. Um, you know, the cards came pretty horribly. <laughs> I mean, I remembered, you know, someone asked this earlier. So you had the cardboard box, then you had the, the tin, literally this tin. And then inside you had like this little velvet-ish holder that way, dark, darker purplish. And then you had the box of cards shrink-wrapped inside that. And this box of cards, I don't know, I'm getting to the details, but on the bottom that way actually had, if you can imagine a piece of paper, it folded over, but not completely. So even if you had the card and a lot of the rookie auto patches were right there, you would start scraping the edges just from, you know, someone's bringing, you know, it, it goes from upper deck, goes to the player, goes wherever else. They can just go keep on scraping against this or, you know, goes to the distributor, sits at a show, moves to a few shows that way before it gets to the so, so condition. Condition was one of the big reasons why you honed in on this particular card. So, yeah, I'll leave it as a condition there. Third point, we talked about it very quickly, was, uh, you know, this was the only year and still that I know of, I can think of all the other big rookies that way, no other big rookie out of 99 that I know of in hockey has game used rookie year memorabilia. So again, that was another stars aligned and why I always go back to 0506. The next one is a really strange one. Um, the authentic or the the authenticity is so important to me. Like I know when I was on Hobby Insider, I almost I think I have almost bought fake Ovechkins and Crosby auto rookie patches so many times that I was so close to buying it and then you know doing a little bit more diligence, it's like wow, you know, here's another fake three color. I think I've seen two, three, two fake three-colored Crosby's within the past six months that way. And there's still one listed on eBay that way. And there is no record of that. And what Upper Deck did in 1516 for McDavid was beautiful. Like if Billy and Carvin are still here, like just that's what you need to do with those cards. There is no question that those cards with that patch is just what it is. Um, that did not happen for 0506 that way. And People that don't know, when you look at 1516 McDavid, there is probably, I'm gonna say upwards of 85, like 85 of the 99 are three colors. So really high hit rate. Crosby's, maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 20 out of 100 that way. I'll guess it's probably about there. Don't know what else, but that sadly, that number is increasing because, you know, they're, you know, there's some shenanigans. Anyway, going back to it. Let me jump in quick right there because, um, and I just want to find a comment that came in here, uh, and it, it, it ties right in. Um, sorry, guys, I'm just looking for it. I don't, I don't see the comment right now. But someone wants to. Someone had asked. You know, there, there's a, there's a, a, an altered Crosby on eBay right now that's three color. Why would someone do that? And this is what you're speaking to. And this is why you prefer the one color. So, for anybody who's watching who doesn't understand what we're talking, when we talk about three colors, one color, we're talking about. The patch itself. So if you look at if you look at this right here, it's it's got the one color, but several other of the copies out of 99 had 
maybe a little bit of yellow on it. And a couple had a little bit of yellow and some white as well. So you got one color, two color, three colors. The more colors, the more valuable the card. Let's just say that. But there's incentive because of that for, for you know, bad people to find a way to replace the patch, to actually alter the card. Take out the, the all black patch and put in a new one. And yes, it, it sounds like, how can you do that? Well, it, it's been done and, and it, it can be done and it's a, it's a problem. And so, Steve, I think one of your real reasons for investing in this particular card is because it is a one color and you have no fear and there will no, no one will ever question the authenticity of this card. Is that, is that correct? 100% true. Um, just 100% true. Um, that's the one of the things and uh, you know, when Carbon probably thought I left the hobby that way because I got so sick and tired of buying cards that I thought were real, that were fake. And I just found that out and it disgusted me and I didn't want to go sell them off to the next guy. So I would, you know, being me, I took the hit and I said, hey, I think this is altered on eBay. And of course, I'm going to get, you know, 20% of what I paid for it or something else that way. And that part of the hobby was really, really bad for me. And again, it's almost the purity of this card because of the design on 0506. Actually, when you don't even have a patch that takes away from that design, actually made it stand out for me. It's really strange, but I, you know, I, I'll have, I'll show one card because again, this is the, the card that I think has the most eye appeal for me, but this is kind of what people are looking for, right? Like the patch that looks like that on the same card that way, right? And, you know, but for me, I have seen those cards and still I go back to the gold out of 87 that way. That is just a, a card with more eye appeal to me that way. Um, right. but what, what that, so what that card that you just showed there for everybody watching, can you hold it up again, Steve? Is that this is actually the gold parallel card numbered out of 87 because that's how many, that's Crosby's jersey number. So they made they made 99 silvers, which is the one that he just bought that we had on the screen earlier. And then they made 87, we call them parallels. They're gold with the gold foil, the gold background and the three color patch and, and and we even go as far as talking about how many breaks in the colors it goes black yellow black white that would be a four break you know three colors four breaks this is the kind of stuff that we talk about in this hobby and that's i didn't know you had that that's another amazing card right there beautiful card i'm glad you have it to show it okay so i think that does i mean are you satisfied see did you get out enough information um, why this one more one more for me because I think with the, you know, and, and again, talking about this as an asset, it's interesting that you've had, you know, uh, Dr. James Beckett and, you know, really the grading card services that way. You know, that's another one of those things that starts giving third party ver verification, if you will, that way on a card's condition that way. And when there are, you know, there are, there are nine BGS 95s out of Sidney Crosby, uh, out of 99 auto rookie patches, none of those nine are actually true gem mint cards. So that means none of them have at least nine five on all of the subgrades that way, you know, surface, corners, edges. Centering. Centering. Um, none of them, none of the nine that are nine fives, there is not one true gem mint Crosby. So the next one is here is, well, this card that way. So, and then you put it in the pantheon of, you know, I'll say the big three on, Ovechkin, Crosby, and McDavid, there is no BGS 10 cup rookie out of 99 for those players. It is only the Crosby and only two gem, true gem mint Ovechkins and three gem mint McDavid's that way. So again, I kind of put all that together that way. Cup inaugural year, condition, single patch, no, it's not altered that way. Game used rookie, like it, 
that's what it was for me. It was guaranteed first ballot Hall of Famer, legend, icon. I mean, he comes in the, you know, Gordy Howe, Bobby Orr, Wayne Gretzky, Mary Lemieux, Sidney Crosby. Like, it just flows that way. He's definitely an all-time great. So, um, now, I mean, you know, an investment like that with that kind of money needs reasons behind it like that to really substantiate that kind of money. It's similar to the LeBron James. And you mentioned earlier the 0304 exquisite kind of was precluded the 0506 the cup and 0506 the cup was was built out and carbon will tell you it was originally supposed to be called exquisite hockey but they decided to go with a different name and carbon has told that story on my show before so we don't need to rehash that but um i mean that lebron james card from 0304 exquisite which was the inaugural year of the basketball um Mm -hmm. counterpart to the cup for anybody who's watching who doesn't know, that card just sold in, I believe, uh, was that just last month in early July or late June, sold for $1.845 million. $1.845 million. Now, the card's a little bit different. It was numbered at 23, so that was the gold version or the parallel. And that is not a game-used piece either. That is a photo shoot jersey. So uh, uh, that just goes to show the strength of the hobby, the strength of basketball cards as well within the hobby, that you can have a photo shoot rookie card of LeBron James sell for close to $2 million US dollars, just to be certain on that. So, you know, in a way, if Sidney Crosby is hockey's LeBron James, which he may be, you got it for you know, less than 10% of the price. And I know for a fact that the hockey market is not 10% of the basketball market. It's like, it's more like about a sixth of the basketball market. So, and I say I know that for a fact because we had the v, the v, uh, vice president from Beckett Grading on the show uh, just last week ago. And he told us what, what the different, what the slice of the pies, what the slices of the pie are for all the sports in what they see as grading. What, what a great way to, to measure the hobby. Basketball is about 40% and hockey is about 8%. So it's more like a fifth of the of the 20%, not 10. Which tells me, if you do the math, that your card, your Crosby, either that card's worth 250000 or the LeBron James is worth 900000 It's got to go one way or the other. But it doesn't because, of course, there's many other factors to play. But it's an interesting thought experiment. Okay. So I think we've covered off the BGS 10 Crosby card. I mean, unless anyone else has any other questions, I'm going to look through the comments and then we're going to, there's, there's, um, there's two stories that I want you to tell still, Steve. Okay. Guys, if you're watching, you got to hear at least one of them because this is, this is the story that I mean, in the, as far as the hobby goes, it's kind of a story of legend. It's a legendary story. It's something that you did at an expo in the latter part of the, of the last of, of the 2000s. And uh, we're going to come to that because it's like, you got to think this guy's crazy for what he tried to do at one card show, but we'll get to that. I just want to run through some more comments so I don't forget anybody or anything here. So let's see what we have. Um, <clears throat> Kevin Doty wants to know any idea on starting price for Lafreniere. If you're talking about the cup, Kevin, when that ends up coming out, which will be probably over a year from now, I mean, you're looking at five grand anyway. I think just with the way the hobby is and maybe more by then could be probably even more by then, probably closer to 10. Got to think Carvin says at least the patch is real. He's talking about your card. And we've talked about that. That is definitely true. Georgetown wants to congratulate you on the gorgeous card. 
Joe says that you say 55K plus tax, although if you take delivery to the PWCC vault, you do not have to pay uh, any state sales tax. You might when you import the card into Canada. Uh, Joe says, congrats. Uh, feels good to reel in the big fish. Loves all the details. And I do apologize, I apologize for rushing you through a couple of your answers earlier, Steve, but I'm watching the clock. So we're already at an hour and a half and we still have a ways to go. So I want to make sure we're moving on. Terry, congrats, Steve. And I figured it might have been you that purchased that card. I'm late joining tonight, but we'll go back and watch from the start. Thank you for tuning in, Terry. Carvin says, it's the gray borders and edges. Gold rookie cards have gold borders. Thank you for that, Carvin. Uh, Terry wants to know, is Mark still collecting busting crazy amounts like crazy? We'll have to ask him on another day. Joe wants to know, having a couple cards in the vault myself, I wonder if Steve has any trepidation about the next step of actually getting the card in hand. Any comment on that, Steve? I don't have any trepidation because I think maybe this goes towards maybe some of my greater thoughts on what I want to do with this card that way. Um, you know, I think this is an asset that I think I'll just keep for, you know, kind of for time, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to go make this up. I know it's going to be on this video, so it'll be interesting, but uh, I, I've always had thoughts. My first thought was, again, I think it's just, you know, life you go through things, assets you acquire, you sell, whatever else that way. But I think this card for me kind of belongs in the Hockey Hall of Fame. Like, I would like it when Sidney Crosby retires, you know, gets voted in, in, into the, the Hall of Fame, all, all of this that way, that I'd probably like to just donate it there so anyone that's just paying in to see can go see it. I think that would be really cool. So that would I'll be say Yeah, I mean, that, that would be quite the donation to make. I hope you get a tax receipt for its fair value at that time. So you would be <laughs> out of the deal. But I mean... That, that would be quite the gesture for sure. Um, <clears throat> Carvin says, I agree with Steve, gold rainbow foil shines. I love the gold version more as well. You can see how many products I designed with gold rainbow foil. It was always an internal battle about the foil. It, mo it must be the Chinese genetic. Steve's li Steve likes what I like in trading cards. And just before I move on, because Carvin's got another comment, but Carvin's Chinese like yourself. And, uh, and Carvin, for anyone who doesn't know or just tuned in, Carvin is the person who at the time worked at Upper Deck and really came up with the concept for this cup set in the first place and was integral in building out and developing the, that set and that brand, which lives on today as, again, people lust for this product 15 years later. He goes mm -hmm. on to say, cup was pitched to the NHL as the Holy Grail. We can't use exquisite instead and say it's basketball name for hockey. I wanted the hockey set to have its own original name. Being Canadian, as Carvin is, we want our sport to have its own heritage and tradition. So that's a great explanation as to why they didn't call it exquisite hockey. And instead, at Upper Deck, they gave it its own unique name for hockey being the cup. So I think as hockey collectors, you know, for those hockey collectors out there that collect the cup, you know, we can almost be thankful that, Upper Deck had a Canadian at the helm at that time. And we ended up with, with this particular product with that particular name. Costa says, Steve, did you try buying the McDavid Cup 97 out of 99? And if you didn't, why not? <laughs> well, I like how you're baiting this question, Jeremy. Uh, we'll, we'll predict the future a little bit. But uh, so, Costa uh, here, um, I actually did not go for the Cup. Uh, I did not make a bid on the Cup 97, uh, McDavid 97 out of 99 auto rookie patch. Um, the reason for that is pretty straightforward. I, I believe, to me, I have McDavid's best card that way that Jeremy will show a little on in this show. So 
you know, another monster card that way. Um, you know, uh, it's nice to see more six-digit hockey cards and uh, you know that are out there. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll show that shortly. So 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 I think if I understand correctly, see what you're saying is that <clears throat> you have you do have a McDavid card that mm -hmm. you consider to be more important than his jersey numbered the cup rookie patch Ottawa to 99 with three colors being that 97 of 99 that was sold right around the time that you're the one you bought was sold and that McDavid sold for I think about $135,000 US so sold for even more what you're saying is that you have a card that you think and I mean I have it up I have it ready to show it's sitting I'm looking at it right there on my screen I'm about to share it you have what you believe to be McDavid's number one card now again this card is living right now in the PWCC vault is that correct uh, no, this one's just uh, with a very good friend of mine right now. Okay, yeah. so, so this card is and paid for. Mm -hmm. So this card is secure. It's in a secure location because of its value and and for whatever other reasons that are none of our business. And um, and you believe it's more important than the McDavid ninety seven and ninety nine that recently sold, and that's why you stepped away from that card. So can I show? Let's show the card, guys. This is ready. So this card, I'm about to share my screen again, everybody. This card. Steve believes, and I'm going to say I agree with him, that this Connor McDavid card would be the most important Connor McDavid card that exists. Here you go. One, two, three. Boom. That's it right there. And this we're showing it here from uh, Upper Deck's Facebook page when they showed this card way back in time. Um, let me just take off the comment. So there you go. This is the Connor McDavid Ultimate Rookie Autograph Shield Patch one of one, if you can't see right over here, everybody, one of one stamp. Game worn jersey. This is the shield from would have been sitting right there. You see where I'm circling right there in his jersey? This is that piece right there. Autographed. Connor McDavid held this card in his hand and signed it. And it's a one of one rookie year. This to you, Steve, is his most important card ever? Uh, yes, I, I think so. Again, it's not numbered like, you know, when. Uh... And it would be interesting since Carvin is here that way. I remember a, a conversation pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well even during uh, 07 at the expo when I met him. But uh, ultimate, he you always had to have the card. Like if Cup's going to be there, why is anyone going to break ultimate? And this was the chase card for ultimate and the driver on why you would have the player's best card. Um, the back of this card that way. Um, if Jeremy wants to show it, um, that also has, it's actually just numbered that way. It is not a, it is not an insert um, as opposed to the exquisite was an insert that way. Um, you know, that's another six digit card that way. Um, that one's, you know, uh, live on eBay for a while. Um, but, you know, the exquisite parallel of, of this card that way. Um, but this one for, for me is his de facto best card, period. Right. So, yeah, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't have the back of it available uh, to show right now. But um, yeah, I mean, this card is, I love the orange background behind the shield that really pops on the card itself. It's a, it's a beautiful card to look at. And I just want to explain, you were mentioning that, you know, why would you, oh, why would you buy and open up packs of Ultimate? So I want to explain what Ultimate is. Ultimate is another brand of hockey cards. And for a while, it was the top end until the cup came out. I believe Ultimate was the high end product. So the upper deck came out with a newer, a newer, higher end product, but they didn't want to kind of, um, uh, you know, devalue Ultimate itself. That's still a product that they needed to get out there and sell into the marketplace. So one of the ways that they made that still a very attractive product was leaving these one of one shields in it. And 
in your opinion, very, very important card. So, and I agree, man, it's, it's so, it's such an important card that at the 2016 national convention in the United States, um, I believe who sponsored that show. I don't know. I don't remember who the sponsor was, but these were the room keys that were given out to people who stayed at one of the hotels nearby. You, your room key was basically Steven's card, which is pretty cool. Like there's the card. There's the room key. And you can actually buy these room key. I mean, I think we're looking at Dave and Adam's uh, website right now, which is a card shop out of Buffalo. You can see they're selling copies of this card, of this room key for like 30 bucks, just for a room key, which, hey, it's a collectible. It, look at it. It's got, it's got everything on it. It's got NHL. It's got Connor McDavid's signature, even though it's not real. Picture of the player, the Oilers logo. Everything's on here. Really cool. That's how important this card was. It was the room key at the National, which is really a driven mostly by baseball and now basketball as well. But in any event, a very important card, Stephen. Congratulations on owning both of these. I mean, they're certainly very, very important uh, <clears throat> cards as far as the hockey card hobby goes. And I think a lot of us would, would love to own them. So that's awesome, man. Okay. Let's, we're getting to, we're at an hour 40, Steve, where, you know, I like to keep these as close to two hours as possible, even though um, Paul, likes to say, could we go for three hours? Paul always trying to get us to get to the three hour mark on this show. Um, Paul, I don't know that we'll get there tonight. I'm, you know, it's, it's a, it's a school night for me too. Right. Um, so guys, several years ago, I remember we're at the expo, I'm set up at my booth and all of a sudden Steven comes buzzing by my booth. He's like, Hey, do you have any, do you have any 506 cup rookies? I got to see what you have. Let me see what you have. And I, I had probably plenty of the time and he looked through and said, okay, Need it, need it, need it, need it, need it. Probably sold you 15 or 20 cards in that one at that one time. What were you up to? Yeah, I had a bad, you know, I I, I guess, uh, you know, with uh, between, I don't get much leisure time between work and everything else that way. But when I do, and when I'm at the expo, and that's all there is that way, I just want to soak up the hobby. And I kind of just had a thing that popped into my mind and said, could I just at the expo, because it's supposed to be the largest show, could I start and finish a set of 0506 cup RPAs that way, you know, in a couple of days. Is it possible to do that way? How you many know, so again, how many cards is that? Um, I think it's like 90, right? It's like it's, 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 about, there. it's about there. It's about there. And they had, you know, it's probably less than that because they had about 10-ish just auto auto ones that way. But uh, I have again, this goes with my love-hate with the hobby that way. Like I'm a completionist that way. So, you know, if you're kind of the way there, you might as well go all the way. And I think I have built and destroyed cup sets that way. At least three, probably four or five wouldn't be a shock. But uh, I've done this for a couple of times that way. But uh, yeah, literally it was buzzing around. I didn't care if it was a one color, if it was not. It was more sentimental to me to say, wow, that's really cool. I actually made time to go to an expo. Never thought I would in my life, but ended up doing it. And I said, this would be a really cool memory if I could actually get there. Fell a little bit short, but, uh, you know, it was a pretty funny experience. And it was literally wheeling, dealing on a timeline that no one else understood except for me. So, <laughs> so, so, I mean, that would be just unheard of now for somebody to go to a card show for the weekend and try to build a complete set of, of, of rookie patch autos from any sport from any year. I mean, first of all, you've got to gamble that they're all in the room. And they're, not only they're all in the room, they're all at... They might all be in the room, but they can be in people's backpacks or, or you know, wheelies where they're just they're in the they're out there buying them too. You weren't you were you had com competition. 
everybody was chasing the, I say everybody loosely, many people were chasing these cards back in the day. I mean, they still do, but they were chasing all the, all the players in the year. I mean, that was, that was great. I remember that quite clearly, man. And I, I just thought it was so awesome. I thought like, what, what, this guy's a bit of a nut job, let's face it. But I mean, like, what, an, what an awesome endeavor to take. And I, I, I forgot about it until you mentioned it to me the other day. So I think it's for, for the viewers watching, I mean, imagine going to the expo or the national, you know, this next year when they come back and you're just chasing every card from whatever, whatever RPA year you want, a, a basketball exquisite or, or a hockey exquisite. Carvin jumps in and says, Steve told me what he was doing. I knew if anyone could do it, it would be Steve. I also knew he'd sell it all. <laughs> Within three months. It was more of a self-administered challenge, really, than it was a, a it was like, I just need something to do. So here's a great, Paul wants to know, how close did you get? I think about 10 cards away, actually. I got pretty close. Um, I think I was missing 10 and, you know, I paid up for some of them because I think people figured out what was going on. Um, so, you know, again, not not really a shock, but, uh, but I wasn't choosy about those patches. Like that was the first time that I just said, I don't care. I will take your one color patches of, you know, whomever doesn't, did it didn't matter to me. It was more of, could I get it done? So, yeah. yeah. D Cabral says, trying to complete a set at the expo. Incredible. I mean, it, it, it truly was. That was that was a highlight of that show for me. I just thought it was such a fun thing to do. I'm glad I wasn't competing with you. I was at my booth just, you know, wheeling and dealing, buying and selling cards, having fun. But boy, oh, boy. Okay, here's a question from Jeff P. He wants to know, any thoughts on the Ovechkin Ultimate Collection, Ultimate Logos Signature Shield? and how it compares to the Ultimate Rookie Shield. What are your thoughts on that, Steve? Um, oh, no, sorry. Both of them. Yeah, go ahead. Before you jump in, let me just explain quickly that both cards come from the same product, the same year. They're both rookie year cards, but Ovechkin had two Shield cards, similar to the McDavid that we showed him a few minutes ago, the Stephen Owens, but two different Shield one-of-one one cards that were autographed. One of them is considered an insert, I believe, and the other one is considered a parallel to the actual base set. I hope that makes sense to everybody. If it doesn't, we can have a tutorial session on that. But Steve, why don't you take it away now with your, you know, your analysis of the difference between these two cards? So it's also interesting because I think I've held both of these cards in person. Like I've actually held these cards in my hand. Um, for me, the ultimate rookie shield is I'm going to use it in terms of multiples if that makes any sense because that's probably how i would think about it it's definitely more than twice the ultimate signature logo shield um i'm not sure it's three so maybe i'll say two and a half you know uh, that's probably what i would put it at um you know maybe it's i'm gonna go make up a number now but uh you know maybe you know yeah, yeah, I look at that card and maybe that card versus the ultimate rookie shield. And even if it's the damage, I don't care. Uh, I know the owner doesn't care of, of that card either. Um, you know, I've, I've seen the other card that way, but it's as close as you're going to get to owning probably Obi's, you know, having one of debatably Obi's best cards that way. Um, I am pretty, I am again pretty sure that both of those cards are photo shoot that way, but uh, still, um, you know. It's, it's a one-of-one. One. It's Yes, it's an insert that way, which makes it lesser and significantly, but still, you're talking about 
you know, this might be, you could argue that it's a second or third best, you know, Ovechkin card, period. Like you, you could make that argument, right? So again, you know, maybe it's a, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a 30, 30 to 50 K card or something like that. Like, uh, you know, 50 being on the high, high end, maybe last two bidders, but you know, you probably could get 30, 35 for it, you know, kind of all day long. Um, you know, but again, it's not my interest. Like that's just not quite in the wheelhouse of stuff I know I will keep. But uh, you know, I've seen that card around. Um, it's a beautiful card. Um, you know, um, owner of that card is a really super savvy guy that way. Um, you know, I haven't done a transaction with him, I don't think, but a uh, super savvy guy. We've had lots of conversations about him and all that. But uh, yeah, um, you know, he owns both of those cards that way um, right now. Mm -hmm. Awesome, awesome. Okay, let's keep on moving. Uh, D Cabral tells me it's one one Vancouver, St. Louis. Thank you. If there's an update to that, I'd love to hear it too. I love this comment from Sean right here. He says, "I could barely complete a set that they give away for free for the kids <laughs> at the card show." And here's this guy running around putting together a set of the cup. I mean, that, that, that Sean, that that that's a great comment, and that really that really puts it into perspective. And I know exactly what you're, what you, what you're talking about there. So that's awesome. Carvin says maybe four to eight times would be his estimate on the, the value differential. And I'm again, you know, just, uh, but he says, because, because demand is higher for the rookie. So it's a seller's market. Makes sense. Yep. For sure. Mm -hmm. Hey, there was uh Steve, there was one other, um, one other sort of story, uh, you know, because we're on the topic of the cup RPAs, you also, at one point in time, you and, and people who are watching will know that if you're if you follow the hockey card market and you follow the cup in particular, I, I don't remember what year they first did it, but they started doing these cards called tributes, and they actually they actually took the design from the Crosby rookie year. So they actually took this design here, sorry, this design here, and they they use the same design, but they brought in more modern day players and they did, they called them tributes and they did one of Wayne Gretzky. They did Patrick Waugh. They did a Gordie Howe. They did several players. Tell us your history with that particular set. Yeah. So I was super excited the first time I laid eyes on that set and I saw it on the sell sheet that way. Like, uh, you know, I was super excited about that because I just said, Wow, you know, I go back to the iconic 0506 that way. Nothing replaces it for me. And now, you know, I had two two of the ten Wayne Gretzky ones. I'm probably I know one of them was probably the nicest one. I've probably seen five or six of them. You know, one of the nicest ones on the front run, the other one was still very good. Um, but the problem was when I put that beside my Crosby R, uh, RPAs that way, I noticed something that kind of irked me, which was in, and I and I can't say for any other set after uh, after 0506, but 0506 specifically, if you were the rookies were out of 99, the three Crosby, Ovechkin, and Phaneuf, and everyone else was out of 199, and then you had some autographed ones that way that no no patch that way that were a little bit more I think 249 I think, um, but uh, the 199s actually had a darker, you know the gray shading and the white shading was darker so when i actually put it beside you know and i built that whole tribute set that way with best patches and everything else but when i always put it and again this is the strange part of every collector is different but uh, this is the part that got me that i couldn't keep that set was wow this was why would you put wayne gretzky in the and you know of into the 
199 dark colored because it just looked lesser. Like I, I just remember pulling those out of 99s that way. When you saw that whiter bit, you knew what you had. And that sadly, but it kind of destroyed it for me that, uh, you know, it made me lose interest in the set. And again, this was another set that I, I, I built and yet I just fire sold on a cents on the dollar again, right? So here we go. <laughs> so basically, I think, you know, just to sum that up, what you're saying is that it, the tributes when they came out uh, in, in more recent years of the cup, they weren't true tributes. There were diff there were subtle differences in the design of the tributes from the original Crosby and Ovechkin rookie cards. And these tributes, they're actually called Ovechkin tribute or 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 uh, Crosby tribute. And the Crosby tributes are used for I think Canadian and American born players. And the Ovechkin tributes are numbered to five, and they're for the European players that get on those cards. So. They, but what Upper Deck didn't do, likely an oversight, is they they used the wrong design or the wrong color, the wrong gray shading pattern for the tributes than yeah. they should have, or if they that they not just they should have, but that they could have if they wanted it to be a 100% bang on accurate tribute card in those in these more recent years. And that subtle difference was enough to turn you off from the set and sell it off. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Strange, but it's not even a design element, as you said. It's literally the shading of the gray was too dark. Yeah, everything else was the same. Like that was it. Yeah, yeah that's uh, and that just shows how finicky us collectors can be. We're, we <laughs> all, I don't mean that in any negative tone. We all, yeah. we every myself, yourself, everybody watching, we all approach the hobby differently. We all have our likes and our dislikes. And like somebody said earlier, collect what you like, collect what you like, and you'll always be happy. And if you do that, you yeah. will. And really, we don't owe it to anybody to explain or defend what we like. We like what we like, and that's what—that's the beautiful thing in the hobby. And the hobby is so diverse. There's so many different products out there. There really is something for everybody, I would say. I mean, and at all price points. You don't have to spend $125,000 to own a Crosby rookie card. You can get a Crosby rookie card for under 50 bucks. If you want an MVP or a victory, those are other brands. You can, you can still acquire and own a Crosby rookie card for a much more affordable price price point so mm -hmm. hey listen man i mean we've covered a lot we're 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 yeah. just about ready to wrap up here i'm just kind of glancing off to my notes right now to see if there's a, oh there is another thing we forgot you have a few other cards mm -hmm. that uh, that are that are beautiful significant type cards why don't you why don't we end this with a show and tell i'm going to keep my eyes on the comments in case we get anything else that we want to bring up that isn't kind of like the guys talking to each other out there and we'll, we'll bring it on why don't you take us through some cards Sounds good. I, I, you know, I kind of pulled, these are, you know, I, I forget about value and it's just cards that are just really cool to me. Um, you know, I'll start off again. I'll start off with 0506 cup for me. Um, you know, kind of knowing my history now on kind of growing up, you know, kind of 80s, early 90s, really loved hockey that way. Gretzky and Lemieux were always the players for me. So I remember this card. This card has an interesting history. Let me show it first and keep on talking. Let me try to... That is the Gretzky. Tilt the top towards your screen. A bit more, maybe. That is the Gretzky Lemieux one of one dual NHL shield card from 06 07. I recognize that design. Uh, that one's 05 06 here. My bad. I, I misrecognize the design, the glare. Okay, why don't you, yeah, tell us about it. So this card for me was really awesome because I think just having a chance to own it was these you know and a future years of cup actually kind of annoyed me a little bit when you had both sides as in 
you had one side that was one player and then you had another side that was the other player. And when you couldn't see both, like, I don't know how you appreciate a card like that when you have to go flip it. And that's not really interesting to me, but when you had just kind of, you know, like, you know, for me, this Gretzky was also, if you can see, it's also an all-star jersey. Like it, you'll see it right underneath the name. You'll see it's also an all-star jersey, which is really cool to me um, that they actually knew that was that was part of it. But uh, again, this is 0506 Cup, the best two. When I saw first saw this card, you know, and I was got into this hobby so early, it happened to be in Vancouver that way. Um, never had a chance at it that way. Just, you know, he was asking at that time silly money for it. And then it went to someone else, another uh, a very, very savvy collector that way. And I thought, I wrote it off. Um, I said, this was a card I'll never put my hands on that way. Lo and behold, i trading with some people that way. And I did a deal for some card I don't even remember. But he said, hey, you're buying a lot of nice stuff. Would you have interest in this? And I said, what are you looking for? He gave me a number and I just hit the buy. Now I said, send it. You're going to get money like in two, in two seconds on that. I'm going to stop everything I'm doing. I'm going to go buy it. Um, I was still amazed at what I, how little in my opinion versus what I was willing to pay for that card. Um, I'm, I'm going to leave my daughter's dance recital and pay for this <laughs> card right now. Yeah. So I'll go to the second card, which is really kind of cool when you have both of them together that way. So this is 0506 as well too. So this one, you know, Sidney Crosby for 0506, again, rookie year, you will see this is game you I don't know if my camera's hard enough. Let's see the front. Yeah, it's going to be hard to, but we believe you. Game worn. But this one is also game worn, and I think Crosby had three game worn shields. It was this card. It was the same card of this with Ovechkin that way. And then he has the ultimate uh, 0506 um, ultimate NHL shield one of one that way. Those were the only three Crosby shields that way that were uh, ever produced. Uh, from his rookie year that way. Um, that card's actually owned by one of your viewers. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I think for me, that card again, if you have a piece of hockey history with a Sidney Crosby game used one of one, and also when you have kind of, for me, I don't know, I, I like having things that are strange where you can have both cards together and it's kind of cool. And, uh, no. Higher, higher. Higher and but there you go. Yeah. You can get both of them together and have kind of Lemieux kind of be, you know, kind of that gate between Gretzky and Crosby. It is just, I don't know. It's so, there's nothing that really beats that to me. It's really cool just to have these two cards, you know, you know, they're equally awesome independently, but to have both of them. And again, this was another card that I never thought I would have, you know, gotten my hands on that way. Uh, this card again, I, you know, if a very savvy uh, owner had this card that way. I was many multiples higher than uh, what I won this card for. And again, wow. that's where for me, this card was, uh, I was just super happy. Both of those cards, I actually never thought I would be the owner of. So yeah. I guess if you're, yeah. I mean, um, it, when you look up the word awesome in the dictionary, I think you see those two cards together, that that screenshot that you just had them up. That, yeah. that, that is definitely, I don't know if you, I, I had this comment up because I think it's hilarious. Collector, you're talk, talking about the the difference in the, in the in the shading on the tribute cards. Collectors, we put the mental and temperamental. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, we're fin we're a finicky group. We're finicky. Okay, next card. Sure, and this kind of goes now towards uh you know the reason I kind of picked up that McDavid uh you know fifteen sixteen uh ultimate rookie shield that way. Um, you know, for me again, I I look at those cards as the de facto best cards. My subjective opinion of uh 
you know, of the player's best card. So here's one of Evgeny Malkin that way. Yeah. So this is, in my opinion, His best Malkin's card. best card that way. And this comes out of, you know, Ultimate again. Um, this was his autograph rookie patch. Um, you know, again, you'll see the serial num the number versus, you know, kind of an insert, if you will. So you go back to the more traditional hockey players. You'll see this is card number 125 from the, from the, right. from the base set. An actual so. parallel versus an insert, which means something to us collectors. And that's a game-worn shield. That, that's a game-worn shield. Uh, this one is not. So it's I think it was only 0506 that was. So these ones, the next few are not, including the McDavid one is not also. Still still awesome and important cards, especially if there weren't any rookie year uh, game worn jersey pieces. So that would make it. Okay, what do you got next? Uh, the next one is for your Tavares fan that way. That was uh, on earlier. So <laughs> this would be Tavares's uh, best card in my opinion that way. So I really love the design of this card that way. It's just Beautiful. a really sweet card just to go look at. And again, if you see enough logos and NHL logos that way on these cards, some of them are actually misplaced pretty bad where like they're 20 degrees off, you know, maybe like 10% of the logos cut off that way. You'll have a bulge in the card. Um, so it kind of takes, you know, you know, I appeal is so important to these cards. And when you have something that looks as sharp as this, like, you know, you talk about eye appeal and something that feels just like it does feel like it's his best card. And again, you know, kind of one of those reasons where I went after it that way. So, um, no, I think they're really cool. So, that's very good. nice. Very nice. Maybe the last one I'll leave off with is, uh, you know, um, the one I have of the same card now, um, same, 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 same thing on uh, the McKinnon that way. So, this is McKinnon's uh, ultimate, uh, let's see that, ultimate yep. rookie shield that way. Um, again, uh, one one from from Ultimate that way on his uh, on his, on his best card to me. You know, you'll notice again. You'll see number one seventy one. That's what you'll see on his rookie card uh, you know, from Ultimate as well. Yeah. But uh, again, if the this is, I'll thank Carbon for the rainbow foil because if you see these cards in like the foil and the reflection that way, like this, the glass, you know, the one touch and the and and you know, this team bag does it no justice. But yeah. uh, you know, it really is pretty something else. But, uh, you know, I go back to it and I, I get everyone's onto the RPAs that way. But for me, I guess until things, until like kind of stars align for like uh, the Crosby one, like still like, you know, I kind of turn through them. Like, you know, not, yeah. not, not purposely, but I do turn through them. But these ones are, are keepers. And I want to point out, you said you thank Carvin for the rainbow foil, but Carvin was long gone from Upper Deck by the time the McKinnon came out. Maybe not long gone, Carve, but I know you... You were definitely with Panini by the time. Actually, I think he, Carvin went to from Upper Deck after Upper Deck. I know you're watching Carvin, but you took about six months off, and then you ended up at Panini just in time to release the twelve. Was it eleven, twelve, or twelve, thirteen Dominion? Mm -hmm. uh, you took it back to being a vertical card from a horizontal RPA. So he was definitely at Panini by the time the McKinnon came out. But hey, Billy was here too. We can thank Billy and the Upper Deck, the, the people that are Upper Deck now for that beautiful for that beautiful card. That really is uh, is amazing. Um, Joe says, I appeal is so huge. Yes, we as collectors love I appeal on our cards. If you're not looking at your cards, and even if you're looking at them on on you know on your on your phone screen, if you have scans, like that's what I do. I don't pull them out every day and look at them, but you know, you look at them every so often on your phone or on them themselves. We love our I appeal, that's for sure. Carvin says there's a story why SIDS were game used and others were not. I don't know that we have time for that tonight. I'd love to hear that though, Carvin. That that uh, 
I'm sure I've heard it, but I forget it by now. But very, uh, that'll be really interesting. Terry tells us it's 2-2 between Vancouver and St. Louis. I think I'm, I'm rooting for Vancouver on that one because I want the easiest path for the Flames to get the <laughs> so I think I think Vancouver will be easier than St. Louis, although you never know. Uh, D says, thanks for sharing, Steve. And for the interview, Jeremy, D, you are welcome. Thank you so much for joining and subscribing. Anyone who's not watched the show before, thank you for tuning in. If you've stuck with us for two hours and almost four minutes, I thank you. If you just came in, I thank you for joining as well. If you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel, Sports Cards Live, if you would consider doing that, I'd greatly appreciate it very much. Um, Carvin jumps in and says, after tonight, I have greater appreciation for Steven's collecting mentality. It seems I created products just for <laughs> Steven. Love it. Thank you, Carvin. Carvin, you are a legend in this hobby, no doubt about it. Um, okay, man. Well, listen, Steve, I mean, I, I'm good. If you're good, we are, I'm ready to, to, to close down for the night. And, uh, you know, as everybody knows, I'll be back on today is Wednesday. We'll be back on Saturday with Greg Cohn from leaf trading cards. And then on next Wednesday, Ken golden, the owner of golden auctions will be joining me three days before his big auction comes to a close where the Mike trout super fractor one of one will be sold Bids are already up to, with the buyer's premium, don't quote me, but close to $1.7, $1.8 million for the Mike Trout 2009 autograph card. That's amazing money, but as I understand, Mike Trout is an amazing baseball player. Okay, a couple more comments, and then we're going to close it down for the evening. <laughs> D says, how often do I do these episodes? D Cabral I do sports cards live shows every Wednesday and every Saturday. If you go to the YouTube channel, you'll see in the videos tab, this is episode number 36. And I, you know, going strong. I've got guests are scheduled right through. I'll just put it out there for you again on the banner at the bottom D. You'll see who I have coming up. And I'm scheduled into September with guests lined up. And if I don't have a guest, sometimes I just come on myself and freestyle, which is a lot of fun as well. Or I'll bring on somebody last minute. Paul says 56 minutes to three hours. Paul, I hope I don't go three hours tonight. I don't have it in me right now. Aaron says another great show. Thank you. Aaron Legion is always welcome to the show. Thank you for watching. Carvin says people like Steve and all of you gets my creative juices flowing. Well, Carvin, you're working for a distributor now, not a card, a card manufacturer. So, um, but we'd love to see what you could come up with in any area of the hobby. Sean says, I think I might want to start working the streets to buy my first box of the cup. You, yeah, hey, it's an experience. It's a lot of fun. <clears throat> Amaz Amazida. I don't know. I kind of get some people mixed up. I think this might be Abdul, but I'm not sure if it is. Thank you for joining and welcome to the show tonight, Paul. Thank you so much. Er Ernie says, great show. Thank you for tuning in, Ernie. D, you are welcome. Adam, great show. I hope it continues to grow. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for, for tuning in, subscribing, spreading the word. I love doing the show. I have so much fun doing it. It's literally like uh, it's such a rush doing it with all the, with the comments and the guests and my notes and the, the, the ticker. And it's, it's a lot of fun to do. The time goes by so fast. I can't believe we're over two hours already. Carvin says, hearing the collectors is better than meeting any athletes. That's nice, Carvin. Thank you so much for that. Joe says, thanks for the hobby insights and especially the joy of collecting. Joe, thank you as always for watching and tuning in. Greatly appreciated. Everybody, guys, Steve, you good to, you good to finish it off? Yeah, okay. it's been a great show for boys. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Steve, for joining. Uh, great to have you here. 
Um, I, this is an episode I think I want to look back on this episode, you know, a few years down the road to several years down the road. And let's see how these cards in terms of their value turned out. And if you still own them, it'd be interesting to come back and check that out. Isaiah says, great show. Love all the 0506 content. Thank you, Isaiah. I know you're you're into the, you, you love that stuff too. Carlos from Because I'm Carlos. Great job, guys. Fun show. Thank you, Carlos. Guys, if you're looking for more really interesting hobby content, check out Carlos's YouTube channel. It's called Because I'm Carlos. One of my favorites. I, I, I noticed you dropped a new video today, Carlos. I, I, I was sitting with my wife when I was like, hey, Carlos dropped a new video. Got to watch it. So check out Carlos's uh, YouTube show. Very entertaining. And I will let you know the episodes are much shorter and easier to consume than mine are. So check him out. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining. This was a lot of fun. Stephen, thank you again for being a wonderful guest. Your collection is amazing. Good night, everybody. We will see you Wednesday. Stephen, stay right there, please. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.